What's up, people? This is this portion of the podcast. This is The Option, episode 60. It's brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. BVNE is the the, the biggest get notice showcase in the United States of America. We have as many as 22 to 30 recruiters for beach volleyball, not just for volleyball, but for beach volleyball, because when it became an NCAA sport, everybody made the decision to take their talents to the beach. So BVNE, tell your mother, tell your father, tell your club coach, send a telegram. BVNE, family that plays together, stays together. It's also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me. The NYV. People, got Kevin Knight, episode 60, and the episode starts right now. Step into a world, but there's no one there. I feel privileged and honored to be in your world kevin knight east coast sensation what's good babe not a, well not a whole lot of the moment but <laughs> just had a the finish to my life in myrtle so that was a lot of fun yeah sorry about the delay i had to go back and get this this is oh, um this is one of those things it brings me joy it brings me um uh, it brings me a buzz. What's in it for the people at home? None of your none of your damn business. So uh, again, <laughs> once once again, people, welcome. This is episode sixty. This is the Option Podcast. I got to give the people what they want, and this week it's Kevin Knight. Kevin, let's let's start the easy way, the, the way I know how. Let's talk about Myrtle Beach. Now, Myrtle Beach, basically. I think outside of the three AVP weekend series, and you might agree with me, was probably the biggest uh, men's doubles um, open tournament this year. I think you're going to see FUDs and you're going to see AVP America, Atlantic City, but this one was this one was awesome. Thoughts? Yeah, true, truly a special event. Uh, really, really strong on the men's and women's side. Uh, the men's side obviously had had the Olympians, uh, Nick and Nick and Phil, and then potential future Olympians, the Crab Brothers. Uh, Piotr was there playing with Matt Heath. Um, and, on, and on the women's side, you had you know, Piotr's wife playing with, with, I think, Adam's fiance, Kaya and Jade. And, uh, and Bree was playing with uh, local Lydia, who's, who's coming up and really strong on that side. And, uh, and then Julia Scholes and, um, and her partner, who I think win, won the whole thing, are an unbelievable college pair. Uh, so the women's side was was, a, you know, a, a huge turnout as well. So like top to bottom, the the whole event was just unbelievable, um, and the atmosphere is obviously amazing. I think it's been a, a really underrated tournament um, that not a lot of people have known about for years and years. That uh, Nick has secretly shown up to to play with um, a guy named Pete Devonair, who when Nick started down in Florida, was kind of a, a hot shot on the Florida scene at the time. He was a a six foot uh, run-up blocker in the old school game. Okay. Uh, so the dentist, Pete Devonair. And, uh, and so Nick kind of learned a little bit from Pete and has since paid homage to him coming back every year to Myrtle to play. And so that was my introduction into uh, kind of the bigger beach volleyball scene um, that is that is uh, um, the AVP was, was getting to, to be a local playing against Nick Lucena at Myrtle. Yeah, and and you played with uh, Jerko, right? Yeah. So this weekend I played with with TJ Jerko. Your, uh, I, I think he pronounces it Jerko, um, but 
uh, he he was a pickup that I got linked through Bree Scarborough um, earlier this summer. And I think he, he, so he trains down in Fort Lauderdale with some really, really good athletes. And he's, he's kind of made the transition from like a split block to, to more of a true defender mm-hmm. and, uh, and was looking for kind of a side out heavy uh, ball control blocker. And I kind of fit the bill. And our, our first event actually was in Wilmington. Um, and we, we took a second there, but we played really, really, really well against uh, Angel Dace. And then in the finals ended up dropping a, a close one to um, Adam Robertson, Ian Satterfield at the time. Who did um, Dace so play with? Who did Dace play huh? with? Did he play with Bruno? Did Angel he play with, with a kid? Um, I don't know if you know him, Caleb Jenis. He's about six foot six, really, yeah. really long, really, really athletic. Hits a very, very heavy ball. Kind of just difficult overall to deal with. He's going to be a force on the scene when he gets done at Ball State. Really young guy. Yep. So you had to. So back to Myrtle Beach, you had to chop down some trees to make it to the finals. And this is something many would affectionately refer to as your coming out party. I mean, you, everyone knew you were a baller. You, you, you had as much as much respect as the next man. Um, I'm not saying you're a jag and jag meaning just a guy. Um, but I mean, right. At some point, you got to get past Nick. And or at some point yeah. you get to get past Phil at some point, like Jeff Samuels, you know, I mean, pretty much on in the Midwest or East, he's always there at the end. And he's one of my favorite players. Um, he's he's battling some injuries and in here and there. But for some reason, right, it's like everywhere you go, it's 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 him and someone else in the semifinals. And um, I think I'm going to say the same thing about Evan Corey, who maybe we'll talk about a little bit later. The youngster, I don't know if you oh, know yeah. him or not. Evan Corey is pain in the ass lefty. He's for real, dude. He's, so, dude, he's coming up. I... You asked if I know him. I, I mean, I don't know him super personally, mm-hmm. but I know his finishes this year have been unbelievable. He's won like, you know, almost a dozen tournaments and definitely going to be picked up by somebody or another yeah. in this next year. I, I would expect that. I mean, personally, I would expect that he qualifies, uh, if not next year, then the year after. But I would. Um, I would I would expect him to be on tour. I think he's, he, he's, I think any situation where he hooks up with a partner where the other team has to serve him is the comfortable situation he's looking for, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I um, I coached against him. First time I met him, I coached against him. I was um, um Jake Arudia and um, yep. Earl Schultz's coach, and we were had a unique opportunity to like friend and um, friend and Budinger, the one seed, got ousted, and okay. then and then Evan Corey and Valela, uh, beat who ousted them, and that put us in. And I just I just huddled up and I said, guys, you ain't. I mean, you lost to the Cubans, you know, uh, and and Huntington Beach. And then later on, like Manhattan Beach, they lost to Kalinsky and Baranek. And then, in, and then in Chicago, they lost to Hayden and Brunner. I'm like, if there's any fucking opportunity, and this is me just <laughs> seeing the future, right? Not like, not like I'm psychic or nothing. But I said, yeah. if there's any opportunity for you to get in, this is it. And I served. We served Corey like three balls, and that was all yeah. I wanted. To, and that was all I wanted to do with not him. all anybody. Yeah. Anybody ever served. And I understood that Valela yeah. had um staff too, so he was wearing black sweats, black long sleeve like a hoodie. I'm like, it is. Oh, wow. Bacon. It is bacon more than Kevin out there right now. It's in July, right? And I'm like, this dude is, he's going to get hazed by the crowd. We got Rosie's Raiders. You got hecklers. It's like, this motherfucker's in black. <laughs> so yeah. you. No, so we had, we had a really tough route. Mm-hmm. Um, we So actually, to give you a little bit of background, we ended up playing uh, my old partner. So first guy to really give me a call on the East Coast uh, that, that I would consider kind of well above me. Uh, was Brian Dirks. He's this local Myrtle Beach guy that Adam actually trains with when he mm-hmm. goes back to Myrtle. Adam Roberts. Yeah. Calls up Brian Dirks, and and Brian is this like, just wonderful like six foot eight guy. He's got two twins. He's like a handyman that 
the local Myrtle Beach school system. So like the most wholesome guy, but really, really, he's, he's been playing for about 10 years. He's a talented guy, doesn't travel a ton, but he, he, he gave me my first real opportunity to play with somebody a lot better than I am. And, uh, and I'll always remember him for that. And so we ended up getting to play against him the first round, which, uh, he was playing with Ian Cap, who, if you know, actually made the the finals of Grass Nationals doubles and triples. So a really talented Ian Cap, a really talented Brian Dirks, and they were a grinder of a first match. Um, so that was a blast uh, and a really really tough test. And then our next match was against uh, the one and only Beijing Beast Phil Dahlhauser, mm-hmm. and he was playing with uh, John Sutton. John Sutton, yeah. And so you know I, the the strategy is the same regardless of who's Phil's playing with. And, so yeah. it's obviously close. make make so, Phil the best setter in the tournament. That's your strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that one ended up going three. Um, mm-hmm. My most recent post is I actually screenshot at the moment that uh, Phil and I did rock paper scissors. And one, it was because I won rock paper scissors, but two, it was because Phil and I are the two blockers on the court. And I think, especially from the camera angle, the the photo, I end up looking about five foot three, and Phil looks like a like the giant that he is. Yeah. That's um, pretty much how I so feel was, every time I hug Ryan Darity, but yeah. <laughs> Hello, yeah, come yeah. here, son. <laughs> That's right. You know, I go up the block and TJ's like, you know, you should take this or that on too. And I looked at TJ and I was like, no, we just got to serve hard enough so we can't do it because I ain't blocking anything. Yeah. Was um, um, When you played them, let me interrupt you for a second. Do you, for me as a coach, like if I want to get rid of the option, I like to serve deep middle left yeah. shoulder because it, it at least takes away the hitters uh who's doing the option um it takes that court vision away you don't want to serve short unless you got them right you don't want to serve position one right shoulder like zone one unless you unless you could get them unless you serve to serve to space you know makes the ball like an uncontrollable wobble which i think felt could hit anyway so how much of that came into play and this is why i cut you off how much of that came into play um when you were playing felt and and son yeah, I mean, so TJ and I talked about it quite a bit. Um, I have a I have a heavy top spin. That's that's what um, I've kind of made my money on out here. Uh, yeah, that's, space. How, that's how I get away with being a small like six two blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my my strategy was pretty obvious. I was I was trying to bury balls uh, in between them and on on the sideline, especially when the wind was kind of going cross breeze um, on John's bad side. Uh, so TJ is a floater, and I actually had him. Uh, he, he didn't do it a ton, but. So it's either a really high deep float towards the chest, so it's harder to push the ball up towards Phil, um, or it was it was if you can put a ton of spin on the ball coming off the platform, it's really hard to control yeah. uh, and get any sort of consistent up and down ball for the on two. Yeah, and um, and both of those strategies ended up being, I mean, effective enough for us yeah. to win and yep. neutralize Phil a little bit. I mean, he still went on two, you know, whenever he could, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we were kind of a tough matchup because he and I both are able to get people out of system with with our serves and that makes it a lot tougher for Phil to take over. Yeah, man, I um saw a little bit of the video and a lot of the up and downs went towards the hitter instead of towards um like the target where Phil could use his hands yeah. or option. And I felt like anything where he was going up and down, where Phil had to like step in. You know what I'm saying? Use that right leg and step in because he's um the reason why he's such a good option hitter and it's and it's it's a technical embarrassment is because he is a goofy foot. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where where he can take yeah. an inside set 
and then jump in that way and cut back. My girl, um, my girlfriend, I'm, I'm sorry, my life force, my, my everything, my wifey, she's a goofy foot and she's really good at like cross body cut back. If you look Long at the Lion stuff. King, you know, uh, Samoy loves very, another good, another guy's good with the cut back. And it's because <laughs> the things that's, suppo that's supposed to grind your biomechanics <laughs> is yep. the same thing that has given them success. It's freaking weird. Yep. So, so I uh, saw a bunch of the videos. Cool. Did, um, was that the quarters? So that was the, the, yeah, the quarters on the winner side. The winner of that would, would go into the two versus three match to get straight to the semis. Mm -hmm. um, and that match ended up being against Adam Roberts and Trevor Crabb, um, okay. who top to bottom would actually, I would, I would say, would technically be a, a tougher team because you really don't have, I mean, obviously you're going to go for Adam because he's, uh, you know, Trevor is incredibly difficult to yeah. deal with. They don't have a lot he, of holes either. Yeah. But it's a much tougher team top to bottom because you have two guys that are unbelievably consistent. And I, like I said before, I'm not a big block. Um, so I rely on my serve pretty heavily to get people out of system. And, and you're not getting at them and driver out of system super often. Right. And so we knew that going into that, that it, we were just going to have to play like a flawless game um, for three sets, well, for two or three sets. And, uh, and so in terms of competition, I would say that that was actually an even tougher match than the, than the film match where the strategy was, was way more obvious. Um, and that, that was, um, I was definitely on cloud nine after getting to play against kind of my idol, Phil Dahlhauser and, and getting the win over him. But, but, uh, the, to get the two back to back, I was just like, I, I just had to sit under a tent for a while and try and take it in. Cause like. Yeah. I was getting, I mean, if, if you haven't ever seen TJ Yurko play, mm -hmm. you got to watch this guy. He's got an absolute whip of an arm swing, and you never know where it's, it's going. He's got, actually, it's very much like Adam Roberts. I've ever seen. It's very uh -huh. much like Adam Roberts. Like yeah, uh, some of his yeah. out-of-system stuff, he just jumps back, takes his whatever, and it looks like a normal swing, but his contact is like, you know, you got to readjust your matrix. Sorry, go ahead. It's incredibly sharp. It's incredibly fast, and there's a reason nobody serves him. Right. So he's, he's, he's an unbelievable partner to play with. But for me, it's like, I know, you know, the moment, the moment they see him snap a high line and then the very next ball look identical and then snap a sharp cutty and then the next ball look identical and pound one angle. They're like, all right, we're not dealing with him anymore. We're just going to serve the big blonde guy who yeah. just went pain down. in the ass. Yeah. Um, and so TJ really helped me get through that match because, mm -hmm. you know, I was going to have to shoulder the the heavy hitting load and, and he was like, he was telling me what he's seeing. He was telling me, um, you know, where 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 he thinks that I'm going to have the most success on any given play, depending on where the wind's coming from. Yeah, so he was he was definitely my rock through, um, definitely through the Adam Roberts match. How how uh, much have you guys played together prior to that? Just that Wilmington tournament okay. um, that, that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, so so we haven't gotten to train together and haven't gotten to play together much, but we have really, really good on-court chemistry. And, I, like, I can't say enough about the guy. He's just super easy to play with. I, He's listen, very positive as a partner. He just can do everything. I don't know who this guy is, and I have a very small sample size. I've only seen him play um, the two uh, the two matches that I watched um, you play because you guys – and you, you could definitely plug in Eastern Volleyball Network at the end of this podcast because the, the um, it's one of the fastest – ascending YouTube handles I've ever seen. Everyone's just right. Everyone's just just jumping in on this, and sometimes it's it's just about product, right? It's what made NY Varsity, you know, like 
I go to a UCLA indoor game and and I'm using the bathroom and this guy's like, hey, my son's from Arizona and he watches all your games and it's one of those feel good feelings and you're gonna expect to get a lot of that and, and you just exercise your humility, which you already possess and say, thank you, I appreciate it because you're gonna be saying a lot of that, trust me. And, Yo, and I, mean, I didn't even wait to the end, I just plugged it in now. <laughs> I was gonna say, thank you for, for plugging that and having mm-hmm. me on. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the really just short two second Please. brief uh, story of that is literally my guy Graham and I, are huge volleyball nerds on the East Coast and, and known as such and a little bit made fun of as such in our little communities. But we always have this like really long drawn out bracketology conversation before tournaments. And so at, at one point this year, I was like, Graham, like, let's just let's just film it. Let's just put it online. We're going to get crap for it. There's going to be people that are mad. There's going to be people that love it. Um, but but why not? Like, it, you know, during these kind of weird times, being able to put out some content to kind of drive interest and drive rivalries and, and what whatnot um i think it'd be a lot of fun and and so then when we did we got a ton of feedback from the local guys and almost unexpectedly it was from like the lower seeds coming into the tournament they got to hear their name and their matchup on a youtube uh link yeah i mean so the upper the upper level guys that are in the semis and finals of a event they obviously you know kind of gave us some pushback here and there on it but it was really like the 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 guys that drove three hours and they're just like praying for a fifth or a seventh or a ninth those are the guys that really got lit up by it because they were like fired up about, you know, you didn't pick us this tournament or you did pick us that tournament. Um, and so that was a ton of fun. And then we kind of had this idea, which we're still trying to act on right now, which is to get other East Coast venues. Uh, so if you don't know, the East Coast has really got these beautiful pockets, these volleyball kind of havens, like the, the guys yeah. at Grand Sands in yeah. Ohio, East the guys up in, you know, your, your former area in New York and then down in Florida. So all these guys, all these beautiful pockets, we're trying to link them and have them start their own shows within the Eastern Volleyball Network um, to try and build out this framework. So so if I want to watch a finals or if I want to know about the matchups that happen in their tournaments, they'll have their own version of their shows. So I'm looking at guys like Joe Ruzik, who's kind of a local Ohio staple. He's got he's got amazing insights. He's Big done one of our Joe, videos man. with us. Big and a guy like Joe. Chris Vaughn or Chris Frazier up in the Northeast. My Jersey do, boy. I mean, those guys, like, can you imagine like Chris Frazier, like breaking down like early round matchups in like a Gav or a, or well, a EV? Look, as a general principle, Chris Frazier moves the volleyball needle. Okay. So if you want him on the show to talk about bracketology, if you want him on the show to talk about um, how he thinks he'll do in a tournament, or if you want him on the show to talk about self-lighting charcoal briquettes, you, 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 you want him on the show because for some, his, First of all, if you're doing a video thing, the camera lo- has already decided that, that it loves him. All right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Different, this is what divides stage actors from film actors. The camera loves him. Some people, the camera will never love. The camera don't love me, all right? I'm, I wanted to be a film actor. My BFA is in acting. I'm a stage dude. Um, second, like you said, he's, 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 he's got um, points. He's got, a, he's got a pretty good volleyball IQ. And the guy's yeah. always made every partner with him better. I saw him play with Phil, Phil Burrow in Manhattan Beach, and they look pretty good, you know, together. Yeah, low-key, looking forward to it. I'm actually playing with Frazier next month in Ohio. Get out. Tell yeah, him I said yeah, what's yeah. up. Tell him I love him. Tell him, you know, like, it's weird because I got to know him more when I moved to California because in, in New York, I was strictly indoor. You know, I was a Balmeso oh, guy. Yeah. I, was a, I was a Paul Lamb guy. You know, those guys that go to nationals and like house everybody and no one knows who they are. I'm like, that guy's not even from New York. <laughs> Balmeso, North Carolina, kiss my ass. Those guys are, come on, right? Liars. 
liars. Yeah. You're all from uptown uh, New York. You're all from freaking Washington Heights or Mocha or Santo Domingo. So I'm so, originally from St. Louis. Yeah, but but, the, but those but are yeah, the guys. I um, but I was strictly an indoor guy. So Frazier, I got to know when I left, and he was a big NVL guy. And you know, NVL uh, was at, for a long. As far as like families are concerned, I I consider your crowd very much NVL esque. I'm not talking about the level. I'm talking about the emotional investment, the ability to debate healthily, the ability to be like, hey, thanks for picking against me, asshole. <laughs> that yeah, one's yeah, for yeah. you, you man. So um, if you remember when NVL was around, it's very, very much like that. And I'm, I'm very glad to see it because that's, that's to me, that's what keeps volleyball going. That's what keeps oh, yeah. volleyball going. Not, oh, yeah. not, the, not the unfounded arrogance from a handful of people who, who, um, who are speaking from a perch and don't even come to the games. You know, like I gave Kevin Barnett shit a little bit because when he was criticizing P1440, he actually had an opportunity to go to um, Huntington Beach. And he lives like 11 minutes away. And and and, oh, yeah. he, and he talked about it and he talked about it and he talked about it and and like Casey came on the show and Casey's like, dude, you know why you always gotta say something bad? You couldn't say <laughs> one good thing, man. You know, I mean, I come on your podcast, no one listens to this. I don't say anything bad about that. So 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 um. Getting back no, to what I was saying, I really guys. like I really like the emotional investment you guys in each other. I like the brotherhood and the sisterhood, and I like that that you guys welcome volleyball players of all venues, right? You got Trevor, you oh. got um um you talked about Ian Satterfield, who who lives you know pretty close to me. Mark Burek is my was my neighbor in New York, and is now my neighbor in Hermosa Beach. So, um, Samuel, hey, what a good job they're doing better at Beach, by the way. Yeah, Samuels, we coached together. When we had to go to work, we didn't call each other. We yelled from from our um from our our our, our deck, from our deck in our roof. Let's go. I'm driving. I'm walking. Yeah, what an amazing resource. He's come out here to North Carolina and actually mm -hmm. trained with us a little bit. I've gotten to pick his brain. So Samuels and uh, and Trevor Crab and then um, internationally that um, Pedro Salgado guy are all guys that I look yeah. up to as a real small blocker. Oh, Pedro, yeah. Um, to try and be effective, and and I got to have one in my backyard. Uh, not Those mine, are two but. hybrids you just talked about, Samuels and and Trevor. Guys yeah. who can play back row defense, who can interchange, but but for some reason they're so good at that one thing. It's like, all right, fine, I'll fucking block. <laughs> fine. Those are the guys that I look up to, like models, you know, yeah. role models to watch. And uh, and I and I gotten to meet and and train against both. Sean Ladig says, "What's up?" Sorry, rest, pretty amazing. Sean Ladig says, "Kevin." Uh, Jimmy Face says, hey, Kevin, the Sandy Scientist, the vectored volleyballer, master <laughs> of meats. <laughs> we have the meats. <laughs> That's a whole nother fast in my yeah. life. I was, uh, I was at one point a, a barbecue competition cook and uh, and restaurant cook for three years back in St. Louis. Um, so so uh, eight <laughs> Please, years ago, let's do it. I notification on Facebook. That we won. Uh, that was when we won best in St. Louis and got to go to Memphis in May for nationals for barbecuing. Wow, dude! Um, and I was I was the ribs guy and I helped run the restaurant. I was the assistant pit master. Did you so go to the one in, in Tennessee this year? What did you say? There was there was an AVP in America and and I think in Nashville. Did you go to that one? I didn't get to go to that one. No. Hyden Beach. I wanted yeah. to, but uh, no, there was something else happening that weekend, right? There was an America. Um, it's Atlantic City or something, right? Or so, but oh, you might be right. There's yeah. there's something else. Um, I know I wanted, I, like I had it circled, but I, I couldn't really make it work. But yeah, Nashville is a, a hell of a barbecue city itself. Yo, I'm coming. 
All right. <laughs> I'm coming. All right. Vegans, I love you out there. Okay. For the vegans who are doing it so they could live longer and for the vegans who, who use it as an excuse to be a snob. Okay. This podcast is not for you. I want some barbecue. I want some ribs. I want some chicken. I want some shrimp. I want steak. Kevin, yeah, man. So that's actually how I got my in at uh, at Myrtle Beach the first year. Adam Roberts had me out. Uh, so more weirdness for me. I actually, I, my smoker that I have since I was seventeen fits in the back of my Honda Accord. I'm, I'm 28 now. Okay. And so I had this smoker on me at the time. I went down to Myrtle and I was like, Adam, you know, I'd love the opportunity to 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 cook for the guys that you have at your house. Um, I know how to do this. And and he's like, Oh, so we don't have to like cater or like everybody go out and find dinner. And I was like. Nah, man, like I, I can take it care out. of it. Yeah, no let's throw it deal. out. And so I went out to the grocery store and picked up everything I needed and like on the spot, did a whole pork shoulder, pulled pork and uh, and salmon for him. And he was like, all right, every year you're coming back, bud. And uh, and so even though I couldn't really keep up on the volleyball court with him and the guys he had there, um, I could I could provide really good barbecue. And, and that actually got me in with him. And now I can hang just a little bit better with him now. And so uh, it's, it's barbecue and, and volleyball yeah. tradition in Myrtle that nobody knows about. All right, three things. One, love me some Jeff Samuels. We were talking about him before. Jeff became a better coach by coaching. He um, um, he was looking for some extra cash, so I, I, I recruited him to coach with Endless Summer, which is the nation's leader in recruitments per capita. We have a 22-person group, but everybody goes to college. And Jeff, along with Pompilio, who was Jose Loyola's coach, and Arturo, uh, me, Jaron Barreto, who's, who's this, uh, the Filipino guy with the long dreads, uh, mm -hmm. Rob McLean, great coaching staff. We had one coach for each court. So Jeff, I think, learned a lot about his own game just by showing. So that's what, that's what I think helped him as a coach. Trevor Crabb, we talked about Trevor. Love Trevor to death because when I was doing the beat for uh, interviews for volleyball one-on-one, -on -one, Trevor always picked up the phone and said yes, you know, and, and for me to build my brand. So, but be, And because of people like him, I actually got a chance to interview every single person on the AVP. I don't oh, think, wow. I, yeah, I don't think I left anybody out. Everybody, and this is Phil. This is Nick. This is before the podcast. It was a volleyball one-on-one. -on -one. And if you go on YouTube, you look at volleyball one-on-one, -on -one, you'll see um, some of it was on site. You know, Trevor was on site, and some of it was telephone. Trevor um, FIVB um, Vegas P1440. He finished third, lost to Mullen Sorum, I think, and yeah. um, uh, Brandy Wilkerson. So I, I love him for that. Now, Adam, Adam, I love that guy's skill set because one, he, he lived in New York for a while. I brought him to a place called 145th and my New York people, I have a big, big New York following and this is where all the Facebook views come from. There's a place called 145th. It's strictly, mostly Dominican, but it's not for fucking freshmen. It's strictly linemen. They have a rule. If you can't take care of first hit, you can't play. So you could be six foot eight and you're gonna play middle Nope. You know, I mean, send your bump the ball, go bump the ball against the wall a hundred times. Yeah, so yeah. Adam came through one night and everybody in this, because the skill set is so tight and Adam came in as like as a white guy or whatever, they, they served him every ball and the dude, dim, Adam dimed every ball. Adam had to hit middle. I was setting. So Adam basically was passing middle of the court, gave himself some height, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Created his string where he was quick, but didn't have to be fast. And I was just setting ones, not even the push one, ones on top of my head, ba-bam, ba-bam, ba-bam. So that was the first time I met Adam. I, my, um, one, of, one of my friends that went to, uh, that's from Latvia, but played for UCLA is like, you're gonna love this kid. So uh, when I, I came to California, I was like, 
Okay, same first and last name, but same dude. No, yes, yeah, I can't be the same dude and both both of that can't be the same first and last name of two different people and both of that good. That's that that that's no. There's no two unicorns like that. So, you know, I was very happy to see him uh, resuscitate his career because when he was playing Lorenz, I didn't. I'm like he's in the draw, but he didn't even look interested. I'm like Adam, you you know what are you what are you doing, dude? You don't even look interested. And, and he's not gonna get mad at me for saying this because I attack volleyball players with volleyball. You know, I didn't say anything yeah, about man. his mother. Um, and then something picked up. He played uh, one with Phil. That was fun. And then shortly after that, picked up Banesh. And then on center court, beat Stafford Slick and Billy Allen, which yeah, I thought crazy. that was one of his bigger wins. Oh, yeah. um, so big shout out to him. So along with him, and I have another close friend, Dylan Merrick, who bl- mm-hmm. played with Dave Palm. They beat Case Baron Shock on um, center court in Hermosa. So that was, that was... That was the tournament of the upset. Yeah, I got my, I got my team and Earl, that Earl. That was his first main draw ever. So you know, oh. after seven tries, and if you've ever met Earl, you just like you. If you've ever met Earl, you want nice things for him. <laughs> you want good things to happen to good people. You know. So, all right. So, um, there were some questions I wanted to go through be- before I fly off the handle like I just did. Right? I just stared us off the cliff and drove right, us back good. up. What do you want to know? I'm so, an open book. Um, you played with my man Chris Flood. Oh yeah. What university? Remind, tell tell the audience. I played at a small liberal arts school, real close to where I grew up, called um, Missouri Baptist University. Yep. And I think they were probably one of the only schools that was willing to take a six-two middle. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I was in college, and we had a hosh like a hosh posh team of uh, all these kind of like random guys. Like we got flood from Lee's, Lee's McCray, Lee's McCray six yeah. guy that jumps 44 inches and in pounds. We, we brought in this like six foot six Serbian guy who was just an absolute animal. Mm-hmm. And we got Shane Welch from, uh, I think from Hawaii. And he was probably the best middle in the country at the time for, especially for NAIA. And then we, I think we picked up, uh, Loyola's, um, like number one setting recruit because his girlfriend went to our college. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Foley was a lefty. So we just had this just absolute freak team in the NAI and we were whooping up on really anybody we could. I was like one small part of it is, and I just had a blast. Like imagine you're the other team and, and your middle is trying to figure out how to block a six foot 10 guy that's going over you every time. And then the six foot two guy comes in and is just like smoking, you know, 30 ones and ones before you're ever in, in the air. So like Shane is hitting like, a thousand just straight over the top of the block and then i'm coming in right behind him and and i'm kind of like you know every once in a while just putting a ball away before you ever you ever got in the air so it was it was a blast to play on that team and just be that like one small piece as as we just fed chris flood and shane welch and what year uh i was in college 11 to 15 and it was really 2015 we won our first national championship Wow, uh, largely on the backs yeah. of uh, of our setter and and that Serbian guy and Chris Flood, yeah, and then also Shane. Um, Flood's got and, a nasty drop drop shoulder, man. Flood is um, oh, it's just it's wicked. Yeah. What what all those guys could do the ball was just so much. Served to do. space was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So one and day, yeah, one day I had a training session with him. I was do- when I moved here, and this is 2016. I was doing something co op called co op practices where. Everybody would come with two drills, and when if it was your drill, you were the coach. So it was Chris Flood, it's Hagen Smith, you know, St. Okay. kid. He's he just um, I think he had one more year at UCLA. Um, mm-hmm. Cole Fears, okay, 
Um, Greg Faulkner, who everybody loves. Everyone yeah. asked to play fours, but nobody asked to play doubles. <laughs> Cal Northridge guy, right? Um, yeah. Myself, just an old guy, but I'm just trying to get my, really, I'm just trying to get my coaching muscles on. I ended up, I ended up just coaching the whole thing anyway. And at the end, everybody left. And me, Chris Flood played with Faulkner. All he needed was the big 6'8 blocker against me and Rob mm -hmm. McLean. Now, I don't belong in this category of players, okay? I'm 47 years old, right? Yeah. But if everyone's good, you don't know that I don't belong because my skill set's tight. My first yeah. hit's good. I'm an indoor setter, so my hands are interchangeable. Grass, beach, volleyball, you name it, whatever. So, but this man served a space. It was 10-4 where we could blink. And then yeah. Greg, all of a sudden, Greg's inspired, and Greg's like, hey, I think I got one too. And me and Rob basically got served off the court. And Rob, Rob looked like he was just going to leave. He just was not interested in playing, and, and we regrouped. You know, five sets, win some, lose some. I won a couple. They won a couple. I'm not going to reveal the winners of uh, whatever and this and that. So This is a baller, man. Yeah. He, he steps up to but, any competition. Um, it's but it's I, awesome. But I really, really liked him, and I really, I really respect his volleyball IQ for such a young person. Right now he's coaching. Uh, um, he was doing the academy, but I think he might be doing a lead or something. But I know he's working all day, all night coaching. The dude is like exhausted, and, and so is his, and so is his wife, you know. But him and Greg, they live in the same house, so I mean, it's easy, easy for him to choose a partner to play pickup. But big up to that yeah. dude. Big up to all the times we have dinner and disagree with each other, call each other out of our fucking minds. Um, but that's what volleyball is all about. So, but I'm really so good for you. And NAIA is no freaking joke, dude. You know, I, I started watching it with my boy Seydou. Um, yeah. He's from Ghana, West Africa. He won oh, with yeah. Park. Okay, and yeah, then the, And then transferred and won the next three years at Cal Baptist before Cal, Cal Baptist yeah. was um, him and his cousin Shamzu, both from Ghana, West Africa. Unstoppable, if you've ever seen this guy. If you ever watched it, uh, you've probably seen this video. It's a viral video. Jump serve, right? Yep. On the overpass, the overpass Comes in the over D zone. Yes. Yep, I've seen it. Seydou has that on his his profile because him and Shamzu look like each other. But I was like, Seydou, come here for a second. Be honest. That wasn't you, right? And he's like, <laughs> he goes, that was Shamzu. So Shamzu looks <laughs> like him. Their, their technique is the same. Shamzu is about three inches tall. He's six, one, six, three, one, six, six. So yeah. Shamzu basically, and you saw the video, jump serve, overpass, <laughs> no, I'll hand, no problem. I'll handle this. <laughs> Boom. So the whole time, everyone thinks it's Seydou because they're both dark in complexion from a distance. They look yeah. alike. And <laughs> but I love me some NAI because of him and because of um, guys like him and because of guys like Gary House. Um, yep. And we could just we could just name names for um, ad nauseum. I wanted yeah. to um, give you some advice if you're going to continue to play with uh, Jerko. Um, yeah, I wrote means... I wrote some notes down as a coach, and I want and just just so I want the clickbaits for people to tell me to shut the fuck up. Um, sorry, shut the freak up. Um, for Oceanside, the strand man, get definitely get more back sets in your life. I think you move okay. the blocker around, and I think you're when you're up in the air and you're doing this. They don't have any idea where you're going anyway. Um, two, whenever you warm up or whenever you train, always set. Always start high because it's easier to bring down the set high than, and bring it down than it is to to warm up. You know, because some people don't take warm up seriously. You know, basket catch, yeah. uh, you know, this and that. Always go high and bring it down. It's a general, like a high school thing, but I swear to God it's going to work for you. Um, and yeah, man, never mind. That's it. That's all I got. Because you guys, knowing your partner 
is golden because you are in a situation you didn't have to deal with your partner. If you know what I mean, and your partner didn't have to deal with you. So you, but you, uh, for sure, definitely work some back sets, Ocean of Strand. I mean, Bill Kalinsky got all the way to the semis just doing that. You know, I'm. Yeah, I, I actually, I like, I like to move the set around when I can, because uh, I was, again, like I was in middle in college, so yeah. the ball is my thing, and it opens up a big hitting shoulder as well for me. Um, it, I think part of it is just we, we haven't trained a ton together. That so was it. That's it's why I asked that first. And, yeah, mm-hmm. going with what we know. Um, I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping TJ will um, will, st- will stick with me for a few more events, because, uh, I mean, after after people watch him on YouTube, he, he should his phone should be ringing off the hook. The guy is just... He's got it all uh, from serving, from defense, from siding out to setting. Like, well, he's, he's watching this, and you need, dude. You need to stay with this dude. Stay oh, with yeah, this absolutely. dude. There is I'll play anyone he asks. There, <laughs> no, but there is success that comes with this. Like, yeah. look, try and Trevor. Small. I mean, not a big team. Splits block. Um, Trevor Crabs not exactly the tallest middle blocker, in this, and and has success with everybody he plays with. You are um, a hybrid. You're athletic. Your serve to space um, divides you from everybody else that you're separating yourself from. As far as separating yourself from the pack is concerned, for everybody listening out there, what's the difference between all these jockos getting their freaking triple A and sitting there walking around, chumping it, thumping their chest and saying, I play open? All of those guys can hit. All of those guys can set. And all of them can assign a row beast at the net to block, a cave troll, if you will. Serve. <laughs> serve divides the elite players from 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 the um top of the qualifier bottom of the main draw and the bottom of the main draw to the people that just keep keeps give, giving the AB, avp their money and, and getting eliminated first round serve serve is key and then indoor it's the middles the difference between double a and opens the middles and outdoor i'm telling you it's serving your serve is beast ian glenn bicko says um you didn't tell me this on the phone today <laughs> Ian's my guy. He's uh, he's somebody I got to play with last year, actually in Nashville, and we we were a six foot nine, six foot two split blocking team that made it all the way to the finals against Danny Cook and JD Hamilton. See what uh, I mean? He's another one that's just yeah. so much fun to play with, and we connected with. And, and it's funny. I wish I, I think I only have a little bit of that on the film, but uh, whenever I got served, we pretty much exclusively ran shoot sets for me. The guy's yeah. got like hands of gold, and so he's just chucking these balls out to the pin. And I'm just hammering and screaming my head off. He's got some great stories about me too. If yeah. you ever want to want to hit him up, but uh, yeah, I mean, look but, at the Latvians, right? Split block. I don't think Smedens is as tall as Samoylov. Splits splits block. You yeah, know? well, and so my in my case, it really stems out of. I mean, you obviously know this from from the East Coast side, but there's just not a, a dearth of a, of really like high level blockers that are that are making main draws or making deep runs and qualifiers. Mm-hmm. And my thought wasn't like, I'm going to be that blocker. My thought was uh, I could probably pull better partners by doing the job like decently well and mm-hmm. being just a really strong side out and, you know, pretty good setting blocker um, than I could being, you know, in one of the cesspool of, of great defenders where you got Angel Dache, you've got Cameron Beans, you've got... Uh, God, let me some Cameron got, Beans, dude. you got Yurko, you've yeah. got... Um, you got any number of the different Ohio guys that are really, really good. And I'm sure I'm missing yeah. some, some phenomenal Florida players as well. Yep. Um, all of these guys probably, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, all of these guys would pull better blockers 
um, than I would if I were to be a full-time defender and kind of demand the role Agreed. because they've just, they've got a better skill set for it at the current moment. I mean, I picked up beach like four or five years ago. And so these guys have been playing for a lot longer at a lot higher level. Um, and so my thought process wasn't like, I need to be this dominant blocker. My thought process was if I can, if I can score points with my serve and be this like side out heavy, uh, you know, good setting uh, transition setting blocker, then I should be able to pull way, way better partners than I would otherwise. And that's, Definitely. I mean, you look at Yurko and you, and you look at, you know, I mean, this guy, Dave Arnold is another kind of hidden gem that I was able to pick up last year. Um, those guys are better volleyball players than I am, but I somehow, you know, was able to convince them because I was able to do the the blocking role well enough to, to convince them to play. And it's worked out super, super well for me. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, Look, there are going to be people that have more volleyball experience than you. There are going to be people that are um, better defenders, people that are better blockers, and people that come in with a resume that commands the respect that, that we just we just gave them their due respect. But the bottom line, common denominator is when you're in the court, I'm, I'm one of those guys, either you do or you do, or you do not. Um, and for me... As far as you go, are you getting the job done? The answer is yes. You know, as a coach, I mean, take my sentiments, multiply by eight, and I feel the same way about coaching. There are so many coaches on the beat scene and the college scene whose playing pedigree got them the job, and and they command respect, and you're not going to say they don't know what the hell they're doing. But at the end of the day, of like Bill Parcells uh, says, and the best coaches are from the East Coast, so I got to refer to him. Um, you're as good as what your record says you are. It is a cold, cold world, and this, my man, is ice. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm very. You, you've only been doing this for four or five years, and you picked up so many things so fast. I'm very, very happy at what I see, and at the same time, I don't see you walking around like you got it all figured out because that's where some people's progress gets halted and that's where a lot of these players who've been playing longer than you um that some some whatever i'll just keep it real some in, in whom you have caught up and passed <laughs> okay being real here some in whom you have caught up and passed you ain't got to say that because you're a nice guy but i don't you know whatever i do what i do um and i'm attacking volleyball players with, with, with volleyball um that's where i think has halted their progress where I still see you moving up. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, it's, it's about having yeah. a growth mindset and it's about being, mm-hmm. it's about being open to yeah. playing different styles with different partners. And yeah. it's also about, I mean, for me, it's, it's been much more about um, honestly seeking out feedback from people that I respect and, and taking that feedback to heart. Like, so TJ, uh, one of the greatest things about him is that he's just willing, he's willing to give you feedback and he's willing to, to be blunt about it, which is a bit rare to yeah. find in today's game. So he's interchangeable then. He's one of, um, in partnerships, there's no such thing as 50-50 control. There's right. always going to be one person that has a little bit more control than the other. And there are some people who are built to take to take initiative and direct traffic. And there's some people who are just really good at giving control. And there's a handful of guys that are interchangeable. So what you're telling me is he's interchangeable. Yeah, I mean, he. so he, he looked at me and he's like, hey, man, uh, you know, to be successful inside out, if you're getting served a lot, you're going to have to develop your shots. Like you've got a really good swing. That's the only thing people know that you can do and you got to develop shots. And like so many people have told me like, oh, you know, you, you need a better overline or you need a better cutty. But to hear it directly from my partner after an event where we finished in the finals, you know, he and and then to his credit, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to work on my shots. You focus on setting because I'm getting served every ball. And he went back, and that's the only thing he worked on down in Florida. And then when we got back together at Myrtle Beach, 
we had the tournament of our lives because I spent a month and a half mm -hmm. nailing my high line and nailing my cut shot. That cuts down my errors from five errors a set to one error a set or even less. Yeah. And focus sudden, practices are golden. Sets are way more consistent, but it's only because we were able to have that honest feedback from each other that was not, it was not malicious. It was just critical in a way that it needed to be. Pat Cronshaw, and, uh, no, no so love was, for the books. It was really, really cool for me to experience that. Sorry, Pat Cronshaw, no love for the blockers. LOL, just kidding. <laughs> Good stuff, guys. <laughs> Jimmy Faye, reviewer too, is probably a cave troll. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a scientist going through the peer review process right now with, okay. uh, with my thesis work. And it's a, it's a brutal process. And that's, that is literally like one of the reasons that I can take feedback is because in the science world, when you submit a document for peer review, uh, your peers are supposed to absolutely shred you, and that's what's happened to me. And I'm I'm kind of dealing with that at the moment. So it's okay. definitely crossed over from the science world into the volleyball world, where it's like you got to take your lumps and you got to get better where where your weak points are. Well, the difference in your world academically and my world academically is yours at least serves a purpose. Okay, I'm in the I'm in the fine arts program for acting, and and you want to talk about peer review, and you want to talk about critique and tearing someone apart where you have to have thick skin, or or you'll just go crazy. Your, your next performance, you're just not going to do acting anymore because you're always thinking about what people think about you. Um, but that's where the comparison stops. Peer review, science, <laughs> research, thesis, um, yeah. Um, so what kind of sciences are you in right now? So I'm doing a PhD in pharmacology, which is the study of drug targets, and with an emphasis in biophysics, which is how mm. molecules move in three-dimensional space. Yep. Um, and I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, my boss is somebody that is essentially like a father figure, figure with me at this point. Um, and he lets me do my work whenever I want. Um, I can come in early in the morning and leave mid midday to train and then come in in the evening or I can wake up at noon and, you know, after a tournament or something on a Monday, I can wake up at noon and come in and work for another eight or nine hours after that, as long as I'm making progress. Um, and so I, I, my day to day is essentially I, I go in, I design experiments and then I, and then I implement them and I analyze data. And that obviously is, I mean, you can, you probably tell just from the way I look at volleyball, that's definitely um, benefited me greatly be, having that sort of scientific mind. Um, and so it, it's just married perfectly with with my with my volleyball career because it allows me to have the flexibility and freedom to train when I need to train and to go to tournaments when I need to go to tournaments. Uh, that's unlike a lot of jobs uh, that, that people my age have. Yeah, no doubt. Um, me. <laughs> I am not a nine to five guy, dude. I worked in a cardiology practice at um, gotcha. Wild Cornell um, for a doctor that they called the doctor of the stars, Dr. Rosenfeld. He was he had his own show um, called House Calls on Fox. He would just answer questions. He wrote he was a health editor for Parade magazine for Vogue magazine and. You know, people come in, Ron Howard, Milos Foreman, the president of this country, Bill Clinton, whatever. So I hated it because the time you spend away from a nine to five, if you spend six to eight hours away from your nine to five pursuing your career, your nine to five is not your career. It's just a fucking job. You know, For, I'm, I'm not casting any aspersions on people that that have nine to fives. There are people that are like, wait, I'm supposed to be here at this time. And I do this job, and and at this time I get out. Good, <laughs> cool. You know I get out. But I I was coaching NCAA at night, and I was doing auditions in the morning. You know NCAA, we we leave on trips on the weekend. I gotta you know take time. I use my vacation days for that. But when my boss retired, 
passed away at 91 years old. Um, I was like, you know, for the same shitty salary, I could just coach. <laughs> I could just do this shit full time. And New York, I, I took as far as I could go. You know, Baruch, me and Justin Stack, um, yeah. we, we took Baruch to the Final Four. That's as far as we could go. Hunter High School, we won the PSALs, whatever. Madison Square Garden gave me Coach of the Year. This is like 2014. Oh, wow. And I'm like, my your, your head hits a certain ceiling, and that's why I'm out here, you know. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, plus my girlfriend's um, rich, so, I mean, that's cool, too. But, um, but for you... <laughs> How does someone like you avoid something we affectionately refer to as paralysis through analysis? You know, I I actually had to battle this, especially earlier in my career. Um, So, so there's a, I forget, I I feel terrible for forgetting the video because this isn't, this isn't by any means like my, my original thought, but there's this great video where, where people are are talking about having a player one versus player two mentality. Mm -hmm. Player one mentality is the killer. That's the one that is all instinct and you're just in a flow state and, and your, your body seems to just take over and do what it needs to do to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you're playing your best and you're playing lights out. And then the, the player two is the analytical, the self-critical, um, the one that's breaking down film, the one that's breaking down weaknesses, the one that's breaking down the other team's advantage and disadvantage. And the two have to have some kind of balance. And my issue was I was player two all the time. I was always overanalyzing and breaking everything down. And I was never really playing in the moment or when I was, um, it was, it was fleeting and, and the way, so this is something else I'm not ashamed of, but it's definitely just the way I play. It's a reality. The way I end up figuring out a way around it is I go absolutely berserk after every time I get a kill. And the reason is it keeps me in just, just without thinking, it keeps me in this very intense, very focused bubble that is my player one killer mentality. Um, and so I actually don't think very often when I'm on the court, sometimes between plays, you'll catch me kind of doing the Billy Kalinske, like strategizing, but it's very short, it's very brief. And I'm, I'm right back at it. And I'm, and I'm trying to go nuts again, because that is what keeps me in, you know, focused. And it keeps me in this. I don't doubt when I go for a, for a huge blocking move, I don't doubt what I'm doing because that's just what I'm feeling needs to be done. Um, or when I pull off the net, I just pull off the net because I'm not thinking, oh, is he going to swing? Oh, is he going to shoot? I'm like, this is what needs to be done. Yeah. Or when I hit a huge jumper at you know 12-12 in game three for an ace, it's not, I need to hit this part of the court because he's looking like this or he shifted like that. It's like I tossed the ball up and I saw the way he was leaning and, and I just hit the serve because that's what needed to be done. Um, and, and it was really a, a change that clicked in in 2019 um in 2018 i was losing a lot of early rounds to teams i felt like i shouldn't be losing to and i I never understood why um and somebody at a tournament came up to me and was like dude when you're playing your best you're going crazy after every point and i was like yeah but i don't need to do that i need to be you know this hyper analytical and very cold calculated player and he was like no no just let it all loose Mm -hmm. and be the guy that screams his head off at 9 a.m in the morning and when i really bought into that hook line and sinker uh, I stopped losing early matches. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you know, in qualifiers is different because it is what it is. Yeah, that was my my big breakthrough psychologically that's helped me out a lot um, in the last year or so. Yeah, knowing yourself and knowing what works and what doesn't is very very good. Um, it's weird because the whole time you're talking, I'm like, this guy's on the wrong podcast. He should be on John Mayer's, like John Mayer's coach your brains out or whatever, and like the science yeah, and how you apply the sciences podcast. in your time and this and that. I'm calling him tonight. I'm gonna text him tonight actually. Um, I was John Mayer's, um, I worked with him at LMU. I was a director yeah, of operations. You, you were like director of operations, yeah. right? 
Yeah, which I, the, I had the coolest job in the world. You know, like a, you know, like a DOO is different things in different regions. Like in Texas, director of operation gets the coach's coffee. I'm not fucking doing that. All right. Um, on the East Coast, a DOO is like liaison between the athletic director and the head coach. Just take yeah. care of the bells and whistles. John asked me to film every practice, every game, email him four things that I liked and four things I need to get better. That was my only job because he knows I've been. I came to California with, with already uh, an elongated and heightened pedigree of coaching that commanded um, kind of instant respect that a lot of people who didn't recognize me wouldn't give me. Yeah, that, that so, level. Yeah. yeah, but John is. Yeah, man, I'm I'm gonna text him tonight because you a conversation with you guys, not even on the podcast. Just I, I would just love for you guys just to talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I like that guy. First time I met him, it was in Mexico. We indoor versus the pros, uh, indoor pros versus the beach pros games. I got worked. You know, oh, he wow. he even gave me Ty Trambley as my partner too. So I mean, it was like, you know, it wasn't. And that was 2015. So that's when Ty won Chicago. So I, I couldn't have done, I couldn't have had a better partner. But I got, you know, the two biggest plays were he had a ball hatch cross court. I'm playing, you know, off the one block, and he, you know, how someone hits a ball. And you already know it's going to hit the ground and you just want to protect oh, yeah. your nuts and, and yep. your face. You kind of do one of these. Brace right? for impact. <laughs> you know, so everyone started cracking up. And But one play later, um, everybody stopped cracking up when um, Mark Karens was his partner. And, and yeah. I go cross court. He's in the hatch and I hit the same ball back at him. And it, hits, <laughs> and it hits like a part of the sand that makes it look like it's harder than it was. Just And it yeah, goes yeah, yeah. straight up and everybody's like, oh, it's shit. So... Um, I lost 15-4, but, but we had dinner that night, we had breakfast the next day, and there was this huge mutual respect. So that's how me and John left. And um, I want to give you some shout-outs. Danny Marco Santos says Kevin's great. Uh, Danny Kruchik says Kevin Knight, my man. <laughs> Miss seeing bad. that guy play indoor. Um, yeah. I, I'm just glad I pronounced the name correctly, but but um these these relationships form but there's something i wanted to get back to what you were saying i like that you're engaged but at the same time you self-coach yourself about how big um something i call big waves crashing right mm. like you want to be emotionally high but not too high my our philosophy is for every five points you get on the high you're going to give up nine on the low because oh, yeah. the bigger your wave is the bigger it's going to crash so you'll see maybe someone like you or maybe, maybe even Bill, all right? Bill's analytical, but Bill will have a moment. Yeah, let's go. And then, right? Wheels yep. it back in, <laughs> catches the fish, Jeff Schitzel style. So um, <laughs> um, I love the way that you found a way to do that and at the same time mediate your ebbs and flows because as far as volleyball experience points, that goes beyond one's years too. Um, you and me, between the both of us, off the top of our head, we can probably name one person that starts high and stays that way through a whole tournament. But those those fucking people are unicorns, <laughs> and we need this. We need to take them to the lab. I'll take them to your lab, and we need to study them because th those are rare. Um, for me, Fallon Fanua Moana. That's someone that starts high, stays high. What's go ahead? Who's yours? I was gonna say Stafford Slick. He's he's. <laughs> He's just hot all day long. That guy's pounding balls, blocking balls, jump serving balls. I mean, I, you know, at the ADP level, they don't have to play as many as as we might on the East Coast. No, you just play five and you're good, man. The tournament style play versus ADP or qualifier style play, totally different beasts. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah well, I mean, Phil's it, lasted this long, right? All you got to do is play twice Friday, once Saturday, and twice Sunday. <laughs> Say what? Be, stay in the winter, stay above water. 
Stay in a winner's now bracket. Yeah. Now we're like I'm sure I'm sure Jay Gibb gave it to Taylor Crab when they lost first round in Austin. Oh yeah. They had to Paul win nine L matches. Yeah, and, and Paul Lottman, yeah. Former indoor um what US national team guy, right? Oh yeah. He yeah. was uh he was um outside and serving serving specialist. Guy's yep. got a rocket. Yeah, he does. Talk about serve to space, huh? And then um finished fifth with Miles um in Chicago. I thought I thought it was a pretty um well him and Ospina is an interesting pair, so I I Miles Partain is, I think anyone Miles Partain plays with is going to be an interesting pair. You can play with Phil. That's an interesting pair. He plays with Ty Loomis, jump setting, you know, getting his highlights and some, however big the loss and this and that. So, so, um, one of my questions, I had a category thing, which I promised yeah. it would be podcast malpractice if I didn't introduce these things before. Again, as you can see, I drive us off the cliff and come back. Um, your science, your occupation, your career. There's an old saying, um, Yogi Berra says, if you enjoy your job, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. How much do you consider it work work? It's definitely not. It's, it's, definitely, um, it's definitely a passion project of mine. Uh, I, I, try to, I try to explain it. It's, it's pretty hard to explain um, in fine detail, but in a, in a larger sense, if you were to imagine like the entirety of human knowledge is a circle. You'd have to zoom in like a million times, but then eventually you'd find the edge of human knowledge and I would create a very, very tiny bump. And that is five years of my life to create that tiny bump outward towards a new step in, in the human knowledge base. And that just for some reason can light me up. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll spend late nights doing it. I'll spend early mornings. I've spent uh, one time I spent 36 hours straight in lab because I was just excited about this part of the project I needed to do. And so, I mean, we have food on campus. So I, you know, I had food stacked up in lab ready to go. And I just grind, you know, I just kept going uh, until I, until I had to stop. Um, and it was not out of anything my boss mentioned. It was just, uh, this was an experiment I needed to do and wanted to do. And it, that's what it took to do it. And then I got it done and I got some amazing findings out of it, but it, it isn't something that I, um, I think about his work. It's something I think about as just part of who I am. It's, it makes sense to my brain, the way it, the way it works. And it's, it's hyper creative. It's hyper frustrating at times, but it is definitely something that, um, I could see myself doing it for the rest of my life, uh, alongside volleyball. Yeah. Listen, for everybody listening at home, this is what having a career is. This is what divides having a career from having a job. Okay. <laughs> a career, there are not enough hours in a day. <laughs> <laughs> a career you're you go to sleep at night and you're thinking about your project the next day you, you my man have a career me i have a career i coach club in the summer um you know i'm with deron good i coach indoor evolution these these uh, knuckleheads out of redondo high school in south you know i'll all all try out and play for the same club team um that's work if you want to be i mean because you got to compete with all these other savages so to me living in a video room like a hermit i already showed you around my this is my office this is my command yeah. center i have at home um that's why i asked you that because to me it's not work now a job you get up you're like i don't even want to roll out of bed right now <laughs> you roll out of bed you get there and when you get there only two minutes go by and you're like yeah. The hell's wrong with this watch? <laughs> yeah. um, I had a job for a long time, but I guess the guy that I worked for and had the honor and privilege of working for um, made it a fun job. It wasn't a career. 
it was something that paid my bills until you know my late bloomer ass figured out what I, what I wanted to do when I grow up at least you know right now you're you're 29 right 28? 28. 28. That was barbecue for me, by the way, back in college. That was that was a fun job. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what I'm saying. Those are one of them things where it's like, those are fun jobs. And yeah. for everybody listening, just, and you you want to do what this guy's doing for volleyball, you want to do whatever I, I was I was doing for theater, just don't get, in, don't get in it to be a fucking star. Just keep your head up, put your nose in the work, and don't mix your goal with what the net result is and what the expectation is, right? You go, don't tie yourself worth yeah, it. go acting, keep it about the work, action objective, net results, I become a star. But right. you, but like volleyball, you can't come into volleyball thinking I wanna, I wanna set the world on fire. That's that, that right. is the net result of what your intention is, what those, what the obstacles are, what your tactics to navigate around those obstacles are. We call it GOAT, in theater we call it GOAT goals obstacle um tactics um expectations so big up to you for doing what you're doing all right all right here's here's my other question as as i think i might be wearing this guy down (laughs) um i could do this all if you want to keep talking no that's cool that's cool and you look like captain america too that's one of my favorite (laughs) lines he's like i could do this all day and the other cat he's like i know i know i I know (laughs) i fought you before um at what point in your volleyball life this could have been indoor and this could have been beach, but I want you to just pop into a certain memory in, in your distant past or recent past. At what point was there a particular tournament or was there a particular match that you left the court saying to yourself, I think I could do this for real. This is what I want to do for a career. Was there a defining match or defining tournament that you left the indoor gym or the beach court telling yourself, this is who I am and I, and I, and I wanna do, the, and I can do this, I can make a run at this seriously. The All right, fl- so the I, floor got, is yours. I got a bit of a, I got a bit of a long-winded answer to this. So I've been talking actually, the whole fucking podcast, you go, man. <laughs> I was actually cut, um, so I played the first team in St. Louis, uh, high performance, my 17s year, I had to play up, and I played on the first team for the 18 squad. We had a we had a good team that year. Uh, Chris Lishy ended up going to USC and starting um, for them, and we had some other good good guys. And then my, my second 18s year, so what would have been my senior year, I actually got cut from the same team, uh, and I, obviously that was really hard for me because I, you know, it's hard for anybody, but like yeah, same to team. play on the first team and then get cut from it. Uh, for me, it was devastating. But in the end, it ended up driving me even harder um, because I, I needed to prove that I was worth it. And so then I, I kind of snuck in and got a, I got recruited by, you know, a couple you know, MEVA schools, uh, D1, D2 schools, but not, I don't think, super seriously. And then I got into MOBAP as a, as a small middle um, and I could stay close to home. And, and um, it, it, was, it was still just me wanting to prove that I could play middle at the collegiate level and that I was worth it, you know, because it, getting cut was so hard for me to deal with um, in high school. And, and so then to, to get to start at MOBAP for, for three, three and a half years ish, and finally get to that national championship level, even though it was again, like a, like a small part of that team, but to get to start for a national championship team kind of finally validated that hole that, that started when I was, you know, younger and the indoor side. And I, I had that thought of like, well, what can I do further? 
And but I had come to peace with the fact that at at an even higher level, either professionally or at the D1 or D2 level, like, I mean, you know, this six foot two middle, you can't even tap block with the guys that are six foot 11 and jumping. You just can't. I mean, it's not you can't tap block and close the block. And so I knew that at that point, like either I had to try and change positions, which I never played anything but middle throughout my whole life, or I needed to stop playing indoor like at a serious level. And that was where I kind of fell into beach. And then beach was this entirely new beast where I refused to play a double A tournament. I would only play open. I go Oh two or one and two or Oh two every open tournament. Okay. And uh, out on the East coast. And so just getting the pants beat off me by guys like angel, Brian Tillman was one that just absolutely slaughtered me. Um, but, but in that time I was just so hell bent on getting better. And it was my outlet during my PhD. It wasn't really even a thought of winning money. It was just, something to do to get away from the lab at the time, because it was, I, I was under a lot more stress back then than I am now. And um, so, so to, to kind of wrap this story full circle, um, you know, I got everybody telling me you're six two, don't be a blocker. And here I am as a blocker. And I'm kind of, definitely I was searching for validation after kind of going zero and one and some qualifiers and having more people tell me like, what, what are you doing? And in uh, this past year, um, I had this really awesome opportunity and it, and it came about through luck and knowing Adam, but Adam Roberts set up a kind of a quiet secret KOB at John Sutton's house where he had Adam Roberts and Ian Satterfield and, and this um, couple other guys that, that are solid, like local guys, myself. And then Nick Luceno was the kind of the ringer of the group. And um, for some reason, I mean, it was right, right during my, like right on my birthday, so it was like my birthday week and I showed up and I just had like the day of my life. And, uh, and so the end of the day, the dust settles in, in our format, it was the top two guys get to pick their partners. And I had this very, I, I, I want to explain this to you because you'll understand why this was such a big deal for me at the time. So I had this decision to make, I ended up going undefeated that day, which was wild. Um, yeah. An anomaly, until, right? Yeah. I had the one seed and then Nick Lucena had the two seed. So I got to pick my partner. And I either had to pick uh, Ian Satterfield, which I, I would say most people would expect me to pick to, to take away Nick Lucena's like blocking option. Or I could, the other guy that was kind of the other big name there was Adam Roberts, who I knew much better than the rest of them. And so if I picked Adam Roberts, that's giving Nick Lucena the, the blocker. And obviously this is, you know, for fun, but it's also for money. So, so the other guys there, I don't know how, I'm sure they're trying, but it wasn't like a do or die for them. But for me, it was, it was like this really big deal because I'm the small fish in, in their pond. So I ended up going with my guy, Adam Roberts, because I was like, I know how this guy plays. I know that this guy can give me the sets that I need to side out at this really high level that I'm going to need to side out at against these like really, really amazing athletes. Like Ian is an absolute stud himself. And, uh, and we ended up winning um, a, a three set match in three, like 15, 13. And I think, you know, we had put, I don't know. I think I ended up walking away with like 200 bucks or 300 bucks, but that was actually the moment for me. Um, and this says nothing about Nick or Ian. Cause like they're both right side players. So it's kind no, of, no, and we're not talking about them right now. We're talking about you. Right. 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 So, but for me, this was like the yeah. moment where the light bulb went off where it was like at a, at a freaking minimum that match proved to me that I could at least be like a mid to high qualifier, if not bottom, like main draw guy, either split blocking or blocking for somebody that's like a stud defender. And that really solidified and validated all of the time and effort I put into being an East Coast blocker because it, it's, it, it allowed me to have confidence and say, hey, 
I can pick up a really good quality defender and I can side out all day long and I can set this guy away wherever he needs to be set and I can compete with anyone. You know, again, I'm sure up until a certain point, I'm sure there's some point that the guys will get big enough and physical enough to where I, I really do need to either split block or defend. But long story short, it was the same sort of validation moment for me that happened in indoor, but it happened out on the beach where I was able to really put my fist down and say, it's not a waste of time for me to take blocking reps and, and pick up, you know, because because out here we all coach ourselves. And so I can get the reps that I want. I could I could demand to play defense like all the time here. And, and that would be something that people out here would be cool with me doing. But it, it validated like, hey, I can work on my my small man blocking game and, and really take this somewhere. Um, and it was just I mean, it was just such an amazing week for me. I was I was definitely. Um, that was definitely a, an emotional high that that really is similar to what I experienced in, in Myrtle Beach. Do you want to know the most intriguing thing in this long uh, self-critique, or I won't say diatribe, but the most intriguing thing I got out of that was your command decision to only play open. It's the smartest thing. It is the single most intelligent thing you could have ever done for your volleyball career. Everybody else is like, oh, you know, you got to play this, you got to play that, and you work up. And then the problem is there are some people they learn as they go along and they get better, and there's some people they they get stuck because there are certain type of volleyball personalities that play to their level, right? Um, my, my girl, I'll tell you about my girl. She plays, and she plays with a bunch of short double B people. She's a double B player. She can yeah. jump in on a scrimmage with Betsy Flynn, Ali McCulloch, or whatever, and, she, and again, she looks like one of them. I'm the same. Uh, you yeah. know, um, the smartest thing you have ever you've ever done was not you put yourself in a position where you're lost in a double A or single A storm. Um, be, I don't know you personally, and I'm taking an educated guess on your personality and your competitiveness. But you understanding that there's a certain level that the level of humiliation will result of you not bringing nothing but your best is the net result that might, I don't know, might, 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 mess, might mess, mess with your pride or not, maybe not even pride, just mess yeah. with what you want to do. You could have easily gotten lost in double A AA or triple A, easily oh, yeah. been like semis or finals and, and especially if you're the type of guy that looks to the left and to the right and, and is worried about what everybody else is thinking and getting, getting caught up in the validation game. You know, whispers here like, oh, he didn't even make semis for double A. How's he, how's he think he's an open player? So, um, you know, so if you're that type of personality that only wants to compete with the best, you did the right thing. And, and if you're that type of personality that sometimes maybe what this person says and that person says might get the best of you, you did the best, you did the right thing. So like in every single path uh, uh, that I'm assuming about your personality, and I'm wrong about your personality, and that I'm right about your personality, the net result's the same. Yeah. Smartest thing you've ever done in your career. When I left overseas, and I don't mean to make this about me, but bear with me. Um, I played in Darmstadt as an outside hitter, okay. all right? And then later converted into a setter because I ran into a coach at the Olympics. I was at Barcelona watching the USA play Japan in 92. And coach Mario Trebich, who was the coach of the Netherlands, I didn't even know he was. We're talking about set trajectories, just this old guy talking shit. And then he like leaves me in the middle of a sentence, uh, you know, hooks up with a, a couple of seven foot guys. And I'm like, okay, that's the coach. <laughs> so he told me, you're six one, but my wingspan six eight. All yep. right, and I'm left-handed, tell me to sit. I got back from the military. It's no indoor professional league here, right? 
Um, I had a two-year contract in Darmstadt, got hurt. Short guy, Brooklyn guy with an attitude, didn't keep me, got cut. <laughs> Blew up to 265 pounds. Jeez. Blew up. Um, no open tournaments for men's indoor, right? For New York or for the Eastern. Most of them are double A. So next thing you know, I'm playing double B here. I'm making playing double B there. And now I have all this weight that I'm dragging with me. And when you're in your 20s, you don't see it. You can still jump because you still got the muscles. So now it's my right Achilles. Then it's my left knee. Then it's my back. And then as you land, the shot could land, and that's my swinging shoulder. And now I'm permanently a setter. I'm not even not even good enough to be a oppo anymore. Never mind an outside hitter. Um, something happened. I was married. Me and my wife split. Directed all my energies. Lost 65 pounds. Got back into uh, whatever. And then... Went from this guy who was losing double B and just went to play grass, like Sherwood. You know, Sherwood, mm -hmm. Connecticut. Yeah. Play with my boy, um, this kid that I was coaching at uh, City Tech that ended up playing for Balmeso, six. They call him Big Evil, Flacco. His name is Eugene. Played open, one with him. From double B to, to, back, to back to where I belong, open, one. You know, then little Ronnie, you know, wound up against Ronnie who played for Creo. Um, Semi-finals, me and him battle it. I don't even remember who won and he's like, I'm so glad to have you back because I played, I, I was at a hunter for a cup of coffee before Marymount Manhattan, before my, my acting program. And that one semester I played against Ronnie twice at Queens College and Queens, Carlito was the head coach and that, that team was boss. So they just, it was so weird. Mike Salek, you know, these guys, these East Coast names, um, welcome back. And then next thing you know, Balmeso, they won nationals 2004, 2005. You know, I didn't go to nationals with them, but I helped them get a bid. You know, so yeah. they wanted me to pay money. I'm like, nah. But the point I was trying to make was I spent from 94 to 2000, I spent the better part of a decade thinking that, you know, things change and maybe I'm too old and this and that. And, and maybe they're right. Maybe if I can't win a double beat tournament, what the hell makes me think I could play open? Um, so the reason why I'm saying this and I'm coming full circle, I promised, like I promised I would, it's, it could, you can, if, you're the type of player, and I'm not saying you're a type of person. You're very fucking unique, my man. Um, you are not a type of person. You're not like anything I've ever talked to, in fact. But if you're a type of person that plays up and down to the level, paying, paying your dues all over again is not the way to go, you know? I moved here to California. Dude, I was not having it, <laughs> you know, because it took me forever to get to back where I had to go. And, and as far as coaching, people making me pay dues all over again, I'd rather just sit back, grab a video camera, and talk behind the camera, and, and then, then someone say I got to prove myself all over again. Which, by the way, that was my break. That's my break. Casey I'm, Jennings saw me and he's like, that guy's got balls and we won him with P1440. John Mayer's like, dude, you're in California. I, I we, remember me, come to LMU. Deron Forbes, I, um, the program, the beach director, didn't know me from a can of paint, but we sat in beach chairs watching the sunset and I blew her mind on just some of the things we talked about. And she, the only thing she asked is, do you have a resume? She, Never mind, just come tomorrow. You know? So it was just about not accepting man. anything but the best. Sorry, what are you yeah. going to say? I was going to say iron sharpens iron and that's how I look at it. I mean, it's the, the harder you can play against somebody uh, and, and the more, you, I mean, the more you can learn from them. So I'm always looking to be the worst person on any court. Yeah. And uh, I mean, so, so uh, a good example of that is the, the first Please. time I got to play Nick Lucena and Pete Devonair was like three years ago and I was not very good, but I was like, this is the only chance I may get to 
to ace Nick Lucena. And so I spent the entire match jump serving him instead of serving his 50 year old partner. Mm -hmm. And we ended up losing in three, 22 to 20. I don't think my partner talked to me for about three weeks. Yeah. But I had it in my head. I was like, I want to see if I can get past this guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I never did obviously at that point, no, but it, it was a, it was a, it was a testament to my, the, the way I think about it, which is like, I want to go play against the best train against the best, get beat by the best, and then eventually be the best that I can be. And the way I do that is by trying to surround myself with the best I can. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's why, I mean, I don't, I don't mind being a blocker on, on, you know, when Phil Dahlhauser is the other blocker. Um, I don't mind being a blocker when Trevor Crabb's the other blocker. I'm not saying I'm, I can hold a candle to either of these two guys, but if that's what it takes to, I mean, to, who does, who can? Yeah. I was going to say like, if that's what it takes to, for me to get better as a player, then that's what it takes. Let's well, go. I mean, right. Who the, who the hell's going to say, Oh, if you're not better than them, you suck. <laughs> There's this well, huge, huge fucking gap between you and like Phil that this slew of players that I'm sure you're better than Kevin, well, this, it, it's a lot of people just don't want to get exposed, you know, uh, they don't want to get exposed for, for who, you know, for who, for the, the weaknesses that they see in themselves. Like yep. I'm well aware I got all kinds of stuff that isn't great about me or isn't great about my game. I mean, we all do, but like, you know, everybody's acutely aware of their own, of their own issues. And by playing against the best, they get exposed. It's and a, that is how you get exposed. You, you, you go against, for me, it was like early on, you go against again, a guy that's hyper consistent, like, Adam Roberts, mm -hmm. and he he makes you look like a fool because you've aced him zero times, and he's aced you with a standing float serve five, and you're just kind of sitting here like, okay, wow, yeah, I, I thought there I was decent until I played against this dude. How silly of me, right? <laughs> yeah, but then I, that gets you better because you go back and you take a thousand serve receive reps five days a week, which I've actually done before with my guy Greg yeah. Vogel. Mm -hmm. we, we've literally had three of us and done oh like Vogel hundred, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, my, he's He's one of the guys I train with, uh, Sinjin Beach. He doesn't know He's me, but I know him, and I like that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he and I and, and another guy here, uh, Andrew McMurray, we, we've done literally sets of 100 serves at a time to get better at serve receive because what we realize is, like, everybody out here gets aced too much when guys from Cali come in. And these guys from Cali come and, in. And did not say that from the passes. beginning of the podcast. Because they're playing in deep sand and wind, and we're playing in shallow sand and not yeah. a lot of wind out here in Raleigh. And so, I, I don't know. I'm, but, I'm off on a tangent. No, but didn't I say that in the beginning? That what's the difference? I'm not afraid between, to expose, I guess. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? That didn't, I said that as that's the big, the biggest separation in this outdoor scene. It, it was a surf. And I didn't mean to interrupt, but you, you called it. And Kevin, this is not just a technical thing. This is an emotional thing. All right? Like, when you realize who you are, and then you have these moments, and you take these victories where you, or where, where, you, where you, you can and where you deserve them, it's an emotional thing. You, 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 you're this, it's, it's almost an exhale, like, yes. all right, cool. This, this level I'm here and now on to the next one. You know, I was you to get where you are in this, this short time had to go through certain levels. And, and each time you have that realization, I mean, and you have that realization that it is an emotional thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cry. Just listen dude. I'm going to cry. Just listening to your fucking story. Cause uh, I, as I'd like to take this podcast and make it about me, but I'm, I'm not going to do that this time around. I'm just going to leave it about you. And I'm going to leave it about every single person. I'm, I'm going to give you the floor. Every single person that can share your story. The people listening to this podcast, I don't need to say anything about me anymore because everybody has those moments. Whether, whether you just come short or whether you get over the hump, you're just, there's fucking tears, man. It's emotional. <laughs>
<laughs> this is who you playing. are. You got to keep playing. Like that's the biggest thing. Like mm-hmm. we all take, we all take, we all get hit in the mouth. I mean, I, you know, I've had, I've had 13th place finishes at tournaments that I thought I was going to win. I've had second place tournaments at tournaments. I thought, I mean, like Myrtle beach that, you know, like on paper, I would have no business being in, in that championship match. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that I continually come back and, and play my heart out. Um, you know, I played last year, I played, I think 35 tournaments. If you look it up, I mean, yeah. 35 tournaments Jeez. i'm paying i'm paying the entry fee i'm doing the work to pick up a partner i'm traveling wherever and i'm competing good and that's that's really what it comes down to it's it's learning how to compete but it's learning how to be a partner and it's learning how to bring out your best when you need to and uh and that's that's what it that's that's the reason i'm able to have these moments i i think deserve is a loaded word um I don't think anybody deserves anything. I don't deserve a win for for playing that no, this much. You are what your record says you are. <laughs> it just, it's just it, it just comes with the territory of of learning how to win and learning how to be the best guy that you can be. And and by doing that, you end up with people that are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't tell enough people that um, you know that are willing to listen to me. Like success spirals you upward. Um, like. Whenever I had a, a breakout finish here or there, you know, I could some somebody would notice and, and be like, "Hey, man, you want to run one?" And it's like, "You'd really play with me?" And they're like, "Well, you you played your heart out <laughs> yeah. and and you did a lot better than I thought you were gonna do. So yeah, let's see if we can do make it happen." And it's like, people don't realize that sometimes it's these random terms you go to that you make these connections, and then all of a sudden you're playing with somebody you never thought, like Chris Frazier. Like I'm playing with a guy that I watched on Clearwater Beach. Four years ago, in my first tournament outside of North Carolina, I went down to Clearwater Beach mm-hmm. for their end of the year tournament. That's Still stays happen in great shape. In a week or whatever. But it was four years ago. I watched Chris Frazier, and I was like, "If I could ever play with that guy, like that would be absolutely amazing." And here I am, you know, in November fourteenth, we're gonna go play one in Ohio, and the guy is like super psyched to get on the court with me. And I'm like, "How did this happen?" And it's like, "Well, I mean, since that time that I watched him in in 2016 or whatever." I probably played a hundred and some tournaments. Actually, I know I have because I bake a batch of cookies for every single tournament. I'm on batch 124. And I there started that in, in early in 2018. If that gives you some idea of how many tournaments I've played. Yeah, I, man, good. At, at least you're doing it on the beach, man. I mean, if I played a hundred and hundred tournaments in four years for indoor, man, I, the, my pot, the nurses would be wheeling me out to this podcast. <laughs> I'd have to like, get, get away, get away. Um, what you've done Kevin, right now is put yourself in a position where meritocracy comes, pure meritocracy comes into play. Right now, the selection of partners becomes more vast. And now you're put in a position where, all right, you get you get to play with this person. And now you do or you do not. Because coming up, volleyball players coming up, and this is important that you hear this. Sometimes life isn't fair. All right. Like, to me, me and Kevin are having a stair running competition up a corporate building. Um, here, I run 44 floors. You run like 60. All right. That's meritocracy. Running the stairs is meritocracy. Getting in the building is not. Yeah. <laughs> Getting well, I, cho- I mean, choosing the choosing the set of stairs is uh, you know is not. So what you've done the last couple of years, Kevin, was put yourself in a position where true meritocracy comes into play and and i'm glad you don't think of deserve because deserve uh, in your mind and in a lot in many instances mine is the net as the end result 
Mm-hmm. Your second place, you deserve it. <laughs> your first, you deserve. Your 13 in the tournament that you thought you finished first, probably deserve it, you know? Because yeah. now you put yourself in a position where the partner selection's good. You're, you're playing with people on your level or better. And which is all you can ask for, which is what I what I really want from my boy Evan Corey. You know, I really, you know, you want to listen to a good podcast, man. That is not not. He came on twice. The first time he came. Oh, on. I did. I listened the first both. time he came on, man. He, and he blows up, man. The dude blows up. He had seventeen thousand views. Dane oh, Blanton. Dane Blanton's an Olympic gold medalist and only had sixteen. So he's got a following. So he's a heck of a guy and a yeah. heck of an athlete. You know what I mean? It's it's like yeah. he's got it. He's got it all going for him. Like yeah. this guy's got a freak vertical. He's got a freak arm swing. He can jump set. I mean, he's kind of like. I mean, uh, doesn't and yet don't have to deal with your partner either. Sorry, go ahead. I'm not even. I'm not even afraid to say this because if it happens, I'm happy for both of them. But like, he's similar to like, to like to, to TJ Yurko, the guy that I played with. Where it's just if you could like create a defender in a vacuum. Yeah. Like that that is one of the guys you'd create yeah. and if you could create a, a a freak small blocker in a back in a vacuum like evan Corey is like mm-hmm. the guy you create yeah. and like the two of them i mean would be there's phenomenal. nothing like watching that guy hit live because if oh. you watch a video and you watch his wrist away and everybody's like like his wrist away like some people on, on watching on cameras like i could what the hell? You just let that guy just just do this, and just because he does that, he's gonna get a kill on you. Get on the fucking court <laughs> yeah. and see. And if you're matrix, because I'm one of these uh, matrix defenders, where if I'm in a zone, I'm moving normal speed, and everything else is moving three quarter speed, three quarter of the time. So that's how I know I'm in a, a zone when I'm playing defense. But every now and then, something in my three quarter zone it goes, and I'm just like. <laughs> Okay, what was that? That, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, is Evan Corey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, his Love phone's going to be bringing off the hook for next year. I'm, I'm positive. He's, yeah. he's something else. And uh, I actually got to a chance to go head-to-head with him at Grass Nationals, which was wild. I've never played grass, so it was mm-hmm. my first grass tournament. And I was going head-to-head with, with Evan Corey. And, I mean, he definitely got the better of me. Yeah. But And it, it's probably on bounce beach as such. But, like, getting to experience that line swing from probably 11 and a half feet in the air it was, it was like, yeah. I don't understand how anyone stops this guy indoor, and Beach. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely a, a potent attacker himself. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, what he's got going for him in the future. He's I mean, good for the sport too. We all we all just have different routes too. I mean, it's it could take me seven years from starting to finally hopefully crack a main draw. It could take Evan Corey three years from start. I don't actually know when he started. It could take him three years because he's got all the tools put together quickly. Some people, it might take 12 years. I mean, I don't know. So I, I'm not as worried about, for me, when when it, when it will happen. I'm just kind of focused on being the best that I can be. And and uh, so during the season, I triple down. I, I always say this. I triple down on my strengths during my season. So my serve is my strength. So I work on that. Every single time I'm out, I'm jump serving the entire practice, which is obnoxious for some of the people I'm playing against. They're like, dude, it's 630 in the morning, and you're line acing me with your serve. I'm like, oh, it's just oh, then like, go back. Tell them to go back to like, bed, you know, I triple down. What the hell you get up 630 in the morning for if you're not going to do that? Sorry, and then God. my entire off season, I work on my weaknesses. So my entire off season, I'm trying to hit line shots. I'm trying to get faster. I'm a little bit slow footed. Um, I'm working on a variety of different sets, especially bump setting. Um, I try and take everything with my hands. And that's actually been a detriment to my transition bump setting. Right. Because I just do it all that much. But um but it's having it's having this knowledge of like maybe it's going to take me a little bit longer than most to, 
to be there and maybe it won't, but that's not, that's not something I can necessarily control. What I can control is to get like 1% better today and 1% better tomorrow. There it is. Um, I might even have, I think I have a double training session scheduled tomorrow. Good, good better, best. That's what John, in, that's what John Mayer calls it. On serving and passing and evening working on, on implementing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just constant focus being impatient the day of and being patient on the longer time scale. Does that make sense? Yes. On bounce beach. Graham Wren says, talk about the shadow ban. <laughs> oh, have you heard about this? No. Oh, I'm so Edu happy. Let's educate the masses, baby. Let's do it. This is hysterical. All right. So you can actually look this up. So, so the guy I mentioned earlier, Ian Bicko, he's this awesome, like six, eight, six, nine blocker. He's actually a training partner of Evan Corey's. So for some reason or another, so th these two play against each other a lot, Evan and, and Ian, for some reason or another, bounce beach, um, has posted a, a ton of Evan Corey bounces or blocks or Kong blocks because they're just like highlight real plays, which is understandable because like, I mean, they're just un unreal. But Ian, every once in a while, not every once in a while, most often will be the recipient of the bounce beach post. So it'll be Evan Corey like Kong blocking Ian or it'll be Evan Corey bouncing, you know, bouncing line on Ian or it'll be Evan Corey faking out Ian with a jump set. And even one time it, it wasn't even Evan Corey, like somebody like underhand served a ball and it like dropped between Ian and his partner and bounce beats posted that. And so ever since then, <laughs> Ian Bicko has been posting highlight reels of him playing, which are very legitimately awesome plays. Like it'll be like a sideways falling away set. That's like perfect to his partner to kill. And he always tags bounce beach and then puts hashtag shadow band. Cause he's convinced that there's, <laughs> there's a group of people out there that are maintaining that he will never be on Don's beach is like the subject. And so, <laughs> so there's this Instagram war that's silently being fought by Ian Bicko on a week in and week out basis against the shadow ban of Bounce beach, which is, I don't know, like for me, it's, it's amazing and hysterical to watch. I'm sure nobody else cares, but for me, it's, it is a really, really funny back and forth between Ian and Bounce beach. Oh my God, that's that's hilarious, Kelly Wood. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. He's always the recipient of a bounce beach post, which is hysterical. There's sure. people in Brazil that are posting, "Let's get Ian onto bounce beach," and then they'll post a picture of him getting highlight reeled on. <laughs> like he has no idea yeah. how this is happening, but but you know, I had um, um gets posterized. A similar story. I had Phil Burrow on the podcast, yeah. right? And um, the guy turned turned uh, Cali, right? Yeah, yeah, get, and I like him a lot. He um, well, he he brags as, as one of the only people to play on all seven continents. You know him. Okay. Uh, he's played in Antarctica, so Australia. So how cool is that? You play on every single uh, have played volleyball on every single continent. But I have a video highlights from 2018 called um, Hermosa Beach Top 10 Plays 2018. Because okay. when I was doing the beat for one on one, I used to just do these top 10 things. And everyone liked my top 10 because the AVP's top 10 were only center court. And me, my top 10 came all the way from the root of the qualifiers, all the way up to like Saturday. And then Sunday, I just took the day off and watched everything from home. <laughs> They're like, you're in Hermosa Beach and you're not going to go. I'm like, hell no. I got a big ass TV shows me like five different angles, <laughs> you know. So um, Rob Dioraro made okay. one of my top 10 he got eight blocks he and yeah. i said he didn't just get one block he didn't just get two blocks he didn't just get three blocks he didn't just get four blocks he didn't just get five blocks and i went all the way to eight but all eight blocks wow. <laughs> over on Phil Burrow. <laughs>
And he's like, dude, I got a bone to pick with you. you he <laughs> says, I, I make your top 10 highlight the other way. Yep. Great. The only thing you got to say about me is I got eight, I got blocked eight times by Rob DiAurora. And then like a month later in Manhattan Beach, um, fell uh, uh, Theo Brunner gets eight against Troy Field and Chase Freshman. So, oh, so listen, someone had luck. Someone does the posterizing and yeah. someone gets posterized. And yeah. that's how you know volleyball has, has arrived, just like every other sport, man. You take it like a man. So no, I actually want to pull out that a little bit. And mm -hmm. so it was really cool in our own experience with mm -hmm. this weird little YouTube thing where we make our predictions. Mm -hmm. um, so I initially thought, and completely wrongly, that um, people were just going to want to know like our final four, kind of like March Madness, like who's in your right. final four, who's uh -huh. going to win. That was my thought was like, everybody just wants to know who we think is going to win. And uh, and so we would do these bracket videos and then post them. And they, they got like a surprising amount. Of, we thought they'd get like 12 views or something. But they got like a surprising amount of views, like 100 views or 200 views. And it was like 100 like, the first day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not really like super focused on like, how many views we're getting but it was cool to see it was like oh they're like uh, presumably most of the tournaments watching them because nobody else will like it's a random wilmington tournament. anyway long story short i'm under the the assumption that it's like the top matches that people are wanting to hear about and, and the matchups and how it all breaks down and so unfortunately on one of our videos you can look it up it, it was done with joe ruzik in ohio we ended up having to split the first half which is all the random first second round matches of low seeds right uh, from the final, you know, fifth place, third place, second place matches. Uh -oh. and, uh, and what we ended up finding out was it was the low, it was the low first round, second round matches of teams that you like nobody's ever heard of that everybody wanted to hear about. Like nobody cared who we thought was going to win or what, what we had on the, the first and second place matches. Jeez. Everybody wanted to hear like the random, you know, the local guy from Ohio who who drove two hours to get here, but who's been playing here for 20 years is playing with this young up and coming kid. And they're the 28 seed playing against, uh, I don't know what that'd be like, the sixth seed in match one. And and do you think they can upset them? That kind of stuff was actually what drove the viewership. And so it's kind of similar to like your highlight videos where everybody's expecting it to be center court. And everybody, you know, wants, it thinks that people are going to want to see the center yeah. court matches. What you don't realize is it, it's actually the the rest of the, the people. It's the it's the people that make up the local scene that yes. are the heart and, and soul of who's watching. That was the qualifier. But that that, that, yeah. that highlight that was um Robin Rob. That was Rob McLean, who's not just a friend, he's a brother from another mother. Let's talk about a good training partner. We'll get about, we'll get into him at some point in the distant or near future. Um but you called it hundred percent. I think the thing that made the whole NY varsity thing take off was the qualifier matches, was the exercise of local talent that I talent that I exclusively photo um, videotaped from Huntington Beach, Hermosa That's Beach, Huntington watching. Beach. Huh? Yeah. That's what I was watching. Hell yeah. Listen, you just never know what you're gonna find. One of my first qualifiers when I moved, Huntington Beach, check this out. This is 2016. Reed Pretty and Came Shock against Kevin McCulloch and Rafa Rodriguez. That's a qualifier That's a match. What, what the actual fuck? All right. How, uh, let's let's go back two years later. Baranek and Matt Proser, cancer survivor and former AVP, uh, faced Derek Olson and Paul Lottman. That's geez. a qualifier match that you will never. Absent of me sticking a camera behind it and talking shit, never would have seen it. No. And Eric, um, 
he made number one of my top 10 plays on that because he did this left and right drill. Like Lotman hit a ball left, he dug, but it was an overpass. And then he hit it really hard right. But, and, and then Eric ran to the right and dug it too. So it looked like it looked like he was doing like an indoor drill. Remember that left and yeah. right drill we did indoor? And yeah. this rally lasted like 35 seconds where Eric did a wrist away out of the middle, took his shades off, just flung them into the crowd. And this woman who just happened to be walking by good hand eye just looked up and caught shades and was like where does where did this come from and everyone in the crowd is looking at it like oh it's his it's his it's the guy on the court and um and i did a pretty cool highlight at the end like have you ever seen the wire uh the the hbo yeah. drama the wire at the end where marlo's like don't seem possible you know chris is like don't i'm like that's some spider-man shit right there so so i put in that little clip yeah. and i co-sign with you dude uh, it's the heart and soul the partain's qualifying for the draw the reason why that match was crowded uh, um, when they faced Jess Samuels and Michael Brunston was because the local scene followed him. He had yeah. to face Matt Marder and, and some of these guys just to get to the draw. And it looks like there's bleachers in the background. And the, the, that was um, one of the most hype matches I've those ever aren't, watched. By the way, those aren't bleachers. And I think I said this on a previous podcast, and I'll say it again for people listening. And if you look in the background, there's people sitting rows, rows and rows, and it looks like it's bleachers. Those aren't bleachers. Those are people that went to the bathroom. You know how like Hermosa Beach has these bathrooms that are yeah. like these little small one-floor buildings? He... Yeah. They took beach chairs and put them on top of the bathroom and in front of the bathroom to make it look like Rose. <laughs> so, yes. So it looked like a center court NVL match. And it was a bunch of people that took all of the beach chairs, including Ro Rosie's Raiders, and made, um, watch the video, just watch Partains against Samuels and Brunsting. Oh, I definitely and, have. It's, and, it's um, insane. Yeah, it's, it was magical. And it got ruined by, I mean, they're, their first one got ruined by the scoring freeze. They're 14 yeah. 11, and Jeff was like, Thank God. Um, so I, I'm trying to be you, but on the East Coast. Yeah. So I'm trying to get venues to post their semifinal and finals mm -hmm. um, around the East Coast mm -hmm. onto a single YouTube page, not not to for anything benefiting me, just literally just to have the just, semifinal and final matches that you would never see but no. on a single platform rather than having to go find them mm -hmm. on their individual facebook pages yep um and that was Look, an idea got me work. <laughs> you know because of you mm -hmm. where it's like you're never going to see a wilmington volleyball series final because nobody around the country follows wilmington volleyball series on facebook but if i can take that finals match and then link it or or post it on a single youtube page if you're in if you're chris frazier in new jersey and you want to see if angel wins the final or if Kevin wins the final, then I'm going to have it on that single YouTube page. And then if I want to see if Chris Frazier or Chris Vaughn is going to win that final up in Gav in, in New Jersey, it's all on, on a single platform. That's that's kind of our, our Actually, mission. Our goal is to be similar to you, to highlight the matches that are amazing mm -hmm. that nobody else would see. That's right. Or to highlight when Adam Roberts comes back and plays, you know, a Wilmington or a, or a Raleigh or a Virginia Beach tournament and gets heckled or something like that to highlight that match in Virginia Beach, which is on our channel. Um, that that match was crazy. The atmosphere was so much fun and so cool. And, um, you know, the fans got a little bit ridiculous. But, I mean, that's that's part of the fun of volleyball. Shit, shit. And, and you would never see that match if 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 it wasn't for, like, you know, somebody posting it. And, or Someone just it and puts up a them. camera. Hold on one second. I want to um, put up the uh, just a clip of your finals because I had, I had it queued up before. Oh, for um, sure. So this is one of the plays I liked, and it was, oh shit, sorry, it's going to be 2009. I'm going to go back a little bit. 2009. 
Let's do that. This is one of my favorite plays. This is good. You take something off the serve to space. I love that dig. And the transition. Watch the, tra watch the transition set. Like, not the best set in the world, right? But nope. something he could put in front of him. And, man, that dude, when you mentioned, like, his transition game and him just like anything goes as long as the ball's up. Yeah, if you could summarize, like, his game into one play uh, or one, vol uh, one point, that was it. So, it. <laughs> yeah. But you, you called it, dude, uh, just about – we don't do it for ourselves. We do it because it's interesting. We do it because we love the sport. We do it because we're engaged. And anything that comes out of that is just the net result of something like, for right. me, it got me a job at Pepperdine. I was I was doing all of their home games for beach volleyball. You know, it got me a chance to call the Big West Championship with Mike Dodd and Tim Hoff, Travis Muirwitter, who's like one of the best writers in volleyball, uh, Rob Espero, who if you don't know, you got to get to know this guy, the Filipino guy, chunky Filipino dude. I haven't met him, but... He's my most viewed, by the way. He was on the podcast. He got 54,000 views on Facebook. Wow. And I'm like, you got what, like hoes in different area codes. What's going on? <laughs> What's going <laughs> Where are these people coming from? Yeah, I know. Well, he is a, a UC Irvine guy, and he yeah. did a lot of indoor color commentary for, I guess, um, it was MPSF, but it's now Big West. And like, Big West, I think, is um what? It's Hawaii, Long Beach State. Yep. Um, Irvine, Cal Northridge. So they have a pretty, like Mountain Pacific, they're their own two separate conferences now for, for men's indoor, if if that ever comes back. But um, I love, we're going to wrap up in a minute, but I, I just wanted to, um, I had something about the validation game that I thought we, we kind of already covered, but there's something I want to share and see see if it applies to you. Like someone asked me how I'm doing and how I'm holding up like in Hermosa Beach. Do you miss New York and this and that? And I'm like, Hermosa Beach is a place that if you're on vacation, you're like, I never want to come home from this vacation. This is it. <laughs> it's a vacation I don't have to come home from. Um, and they're like, what do you miss about New York? I'm like, whatever. Same thing as everybody else. Good Italian food, good pizza. That's that's just whatever. I missed real people, but I don't miss real people that much anymore, especially people that don't smile and say a fucking word, you know, where everybody is out here. Everyone out here says good morning and this and that. So it's just a different atmosphere. And I told them, I said, as long as I don't look to the left and to the right too much, I enjoy Hermosa <laughs> Beach. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, sometimes you, in my paranoid mind, and all the work I put in, I always think that this person is looking down on me because of this person. This one's looking down on me because he doesn't know me. And then in my mind, I have this whole like, hey, fuck you. I've been doing this longer than you've lived and this and that. And then you get, I get sucked into something we call the validation game, something which I hate. So for me, if I look to the left and to the right too much, and I think someone's thinking this of me, and I might be right, but I'm, I also might be wrong, right? I'm, I'm just maybe I'm just paranoid. I slowly become what I've despised what I despise. And my, my entire first year here, because I was just, you know, people were trying to make me pay dues all over again, um, which which is the right thing to do. They don't know me, right? The fact of the matter is they don't know me. And, and I came in saying that I would. But at one point I told my wife, I was like, yo, if you want to kill me, take me back to Brooklyn and kill me. <laughs> don't let me, you know, put two, take me under the Verrazano Bridge, put two in my head, let me die like a real man. Don't, don't let me die here in the, in the, in, in the sand, like a, in the desert, like a snake, <laughs> you know, but that's changed when I just 
started doing what you're doing you mentioned something like look i'm not worried about where i am or who's what or who's this all i could do is take care of the things i can control i put my head in the work and continue to put my head in the work and things happen this way they happen this way but they happen another way they happen another way so you um I'm, i was gonna ask you how much does that apply to you but a lot of it a lot of that you already i thought you've already answered somewhere early in the podcast but is there something you more you'd like to add to that um, you know, I, I, it's an uncomfortable I, subject, but I, I, I just describe strongly to, to personal responsibility and just taking, taking control of, of your life and your circumstance. Like I'm, I'm going to be in a different place than, you know, my co-host on, on our channel, Graham is he's a local Virginia beach guy who wants to you know have a career and a life in Virginia beach. And, and he's, he's going to be an East coast local forever. Good, pit, and good, I have good a place to be. I have yeah. a different outlook than somebody that is my age and married and I have a different outlook than somebody that's my age and is, you know, buried under like a mountain of debt that, you know, they, they got a really excellent degree, but they've got a lot of loans to pay off. And I'm in a different situation than somebody that's in a super committed, you know, really long-term relationship with somebody that's got a career and might need to time down. So it's it, my situation. I can't, I can't look at anybody else and say, you know, they had it easy because they started playing when they were six. It's like, well, somebody could look at me and say, you got it easy because you're a single 28 year old that can do like whatever, whenever you want to do it. And then I can, you know, it's all relative. It's all relative scale. It's like, who are your bookends? Do I look at Trevor Crabb and say, this guy's had a volleyball in his hand since he was five and I shouldn't even try because I'll never get the amount of reps that guy has. Or should I look at the guy down the street that like barely has two hours in his day, in his day to do anything? And he still finds a way to go out and train and maybe he's not going to make a final at our local scene, but the guy still shows up and competes. It's like, if that guy looks at me, he's like, well, no, you know, no, no, whatever that, that Kevin's making these finals, he's got all this free time to go out training. And then I, I could look up and say, well, no wonder Trevor's a world beater. Cause he's got all these reps under his belt that I'll never have from when I was a kid. It's a waste of time. The, the only thing that matters is, is you, you sit down and you focus and you say, Hey, what do I have? What reasonably can I do with what I have and where do I want to go? And, and you don't really focus on, on much else. Cause like I said, like you can set your goalposts wherever you want. You could, you could look at the world as like, everything's out against me and I'm never going to get to where, where I want to be. Or you can do the opposite. You can look at the world and you can say, Hey, I'm in a way better spot than everybody else. And I'm so lucky and what, whatever, but neither one of you get, neither one of those viewpoints gets you anywhere. What gets you somewhere is you say, what am I good at? What are, what are, you know, where can I see myself tomorrow? Where can I see myself next week? Where can I see myself next month? And what are the steps I could take to make that, that eventuality happen? And, and sometimes that goes by the wayside anyway, like you can, you can, last year I popped both my ankles, uh, in weird, unfortunate injuries. Like what happened to you in Manhattan beach too? Same. Um, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. But I was just going to say, it's just like, you, you, like you were saying, you just put yourself in the best possible situation within your life and you don't really worry about the rest because worrying about the rest is a waste of time. What happened to my ankles was I was in a training session just in, in the courts five minutes from my house and I came down. This was the first one and it was, it was a month before I went out to Manhattan. I came down and uh, like my buddies told me that they thought I literally like shattered my ankle. Like they were like, it was the loudest pop we've ever heard. But it was just a weird injury where I jumped sideways and I came down. So the sand around the, at the courts around my house is really packed. Yeah. I came down in this, um, essentially in this pocket of sand, that's maybe this big and it was just surprisingly deep. And when the, when the front part of my foot stuck in and the rest of it rolled over, 
I mean, I literally, my friends thought every ligament in my ankle was gone, but like everyone, I got really everyone lucky. Everyone who saw it was like, oh. And, uh, and I was in a cast for a while. I was in a cast and a boot for a while, but I was able to come back and still train. And I actually played a tournament two weeks later, which is wild in and of itself. But then in, in Manhattan Beach, obviously I'm favoring one leg because, you know, my ankle's blown up on the other one still. And I was playing against Ian Dicko, actually. And it was it was this weird set that was drifting in the wind. And he got sand monstered and ended up going down on one knee as the ball kind of drifted past him. And uh, and as a result, I kind of dodged him in midair. Like I kind of rolled in midair and I landed on my good ankle and rolled that one. Um, so it was, it was one of these situations where it's like, I'm putting myself in the best possible situation. I've got myself a great partner in Dave Arnold. He's kind of like this volleyball wizard from Virginia Beach who's been playing since he was seven. Guy's like an animal. Um, I've got myself a great partner. I've been put all the physical work in. I put all the reps in. And at this time, I am struggling to walk because I've got two rolled ankles and neither one of them were my fault or anybody else's fault. It just was a freak circumstance. So, you know what I mean? It's like, I can't control that, but but I got up and I got I got the medical tent to wrap it and we went and battled Love Prima and Jacob Landell and, you know, obviously we lost, but like, I looked at it as like, well, okay, it's, it's time to get better as a hand setter. <laughs> so in practice, it was like, bowl balls into somebody, have them pass. And I had to be in one spot and, you know, get better at not doubling so many balls. Um, and, and that's the way I could control it, you know? Yeah. Uh, the peanut butter batch was the best one. That's Ian. So I, I told you I'd bake a batch of cookies for every yes. tournament. Cool, man. So I get, I get, uh, <laughs> I get suggestions from various friends of mine on what I should add or try. Cause I change one thing about my, my cookies every time I'm trying to get the perfect chalk chip cookie. Yeah. And, uh, and he maintains that the batch I added peanut butter to was the best batch of all time. And I maintain that if you add peanut butter to a batch of chocolate chip cookies, they're not chocolate chip cookies anymore. But that's a, a subject for another time. Got it. I got a weird email question. Did, no, I'm not answering that. No, come on. The, did Oswald shoot JFK? I'm gonna. I'm like, this isn't Ty Loomis. <laughs> I'm like, you got the wrong. I'm like, you got the wrong guest. <laughs> you know. I mean, um, I definitely would love for you to come back on in the near distant future, and we can discuss. Um, uh, as you know, I was in the medical field for a little bit, and just um, va- um, just vaccines, because uh, the person I talked to is is in charge of helping people prepare. Uh, vaccines and medications for FDA approval. Her name is Kathy Parent. She's she she has her own company in New York, and there's there's a whole bunch of stuff on another end. I think would be interesting for our listeners because again, uh, we it's not just a volleyball podcast anymore. It's got legs of its own. But but I am absolutely honored and privileged that we got to get in here, and for almost two hours, <laughs> talk about nothing but you know talk about our uh, what we do best and talk about our wheelhouse, man. It's volleyball. Uh, before we go, is there any site that you like? like to plug I mean, obviously uh eastern volleyball network we're trying to get all of our local scenes available where to blow up uh so it's eastern volleyball network just on youtube right now if you have any obviously if you have any tips on what we can do to, to help um you know grow that uh and again it's really just for the local scene we want to have we want to have more eyes on some of the athletes and some of the guys that are out here grinding in our little volleyball pockets and our little volleyball worlds i would love um, to just go out there and call a match are you fucking kidding? Like, I would love to just call a match. Like, did yeah. you see the AVP, the qualifiers? Yeah. The reason why the qualifiers were even up, there was a girl named Renee. 
and of course some of the players put up. Renee allowed me to take her file, her live file, and drag it onto the Ninja Flame, the recording device you saw before the podcast. Mm -hmm. And my video switcher, I have this, a score cam on this phone. So the video switcher, the bottom of it, uh, um, the very bottom is the scoreboard. So I used 90% video of the game. And then the bottom 10% was just scores. And this allows you to type in the names. So if you were, if you saw something that had a scoreboard on it, that had my boring voice on it, it was because of Renee. So everyone's like, how'd you get into the qualifiers? I'm like, I didn't, I'm I'm calling it from home. You know, I was Rafu's analytics coach for a couple of years, but I already told Rafu, I'm not. You know, I got people to answer to at home. I'm not, you know, herd immunity is good for the single man, you know? So, so that's something I would love to just do for you guys just once, you know, maybe a live stream or just, or just this, I was watching this finals. I was thinking about dragging this finals to the recording device, putting a scoreboard on and, and, and maybe some point me, you could do like a director's cut. We could just fucking talk about the game at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Mix the volume in. So it looks, so it looks as if we're calling it, um, on site. So, so there's, there's, there's a bunch of ideas I could suggest to you, but I would love for you to find someone to call one of these matches. And I would love at some point to just visit and maybe tag team with someone. I'm, I'm, I'm interchangeable. I can do color or I can do play by play. And the the thing on, about me is, and I've seen it on Volley Chat, people love me or they just can't stand me. They're like, <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen some people say anybody but that guy. And yeah. I am okay with that because I get attacked uh, by a volleyball player with volleyball, right? Yeah. Do, I, do I love me some Jeff Alzina um, doing some color commentary? Hell yeah, him and that other dude um, they were with. Am I big on Kevin Barnett indoor? Yes, Kevin Barnett is God. Do I like Kevin Barnett's um, color commentary outdoor? No, not him nor Cameron Irwin. They're, 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 I, mean, I mean, for me, I'm going to hit the mute button, but that's me, a volleyball person, attacking someone with volleyball. So, I don't, yeah. I don't, um, so for you, as you continue to be popular, take criticism, um, only examine the criticism that's actually logically connected to what the hell you're talking about, and oh. don't feed the trolls. Don't <laughs> feed, feed the tro- trolls. Okay, Dana White, who's one of my favorite um, uh, promoters and, and fight sports, he's a UFC guy. He answers every single troll back on Twitter. He that's oh, he, if he's on a plane, he's like, come on, which who, which one of you motherfuckers are next? I'll take you all <laughs> on by myself. He is insane. You are a billionaire, and I'm using that term loosely. He's he's the guy had a piece of selling it to to whatever company that was, and is still the president, still making yeah. money as the president. So don't feed the trolls because they it made them old and fat and i don't i can't even picture you old and fat you look like <laughs> you look like captain america for christ's sakes mm-hmm. i'm um yeah me i'm 40 i'm 50 so so i did the right thing for a long time too i don't look 50 i look like a unattractive 35 year old all right so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what else that's all is that all we got well, I was going to say, I love, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and I'd love to, I mean, again, if you want to do it again, I'd love to talk about the science aspect. I'd love to talk about cooking. I'm a, I'm a huge guy into food. Um, I'd love to talk about the East coast scene, man. Like there's a lot of hidden gems out here that, that people don't really know about. And there's a, I mean, we could do the best, I could do the best of beaches that I've been to out on the East coast or something like that. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of ways we could take it. So, oh my God. So, uh, you know, we could we could even do we could even do like a like a like a top ten you know top ten defender top ten blocker like you know hidden hidden gems list on the East Coast. 
Yeah, top um, 10 defenders no one talks like about. That's what I'll call it. Top yeah, 10 yeah, defenders yeah. no one talks about. Everybody's yeah. like, that's insulting. And I'm like, no, ask that guy. <laughs> if that's insulting, <laughs> he'll be the first to say, you're right. <laughs> Ain't nobody talking yeah. about me. I think I'm good. Cool, man. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got. Listen, um, for everybody listening to this, Kevin Knight might love you, but I can't stand you. In fact, I had enough of all of you, all right? So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPad right now, for all of you at, at in front of a restaurant on your iPhone waiting to get into dinner socially distancing yourself, for all of you on your desktop who runs the world, old school, old school, for Kevin Knight, this is episode 60 of the Option Podcast. I am Jason DeBeas, and we say... We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.